Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. On a Wednesday, it's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. Adam Wainwright picks up win number 199 for Wayno, his career. Wayno, Wayno, Wayno. Was it vintage Wayno last night, boys? Sure. It kind of was. I, yeah. thought, I thought so. I was, listen, they had the lead and I was monitoring inning to inning to inning because I had a bunch of stuff going on last night. And uh, you didn't clear your schedule? Uh, no, I didn't, Anthony. Hmm. No, I didn't. A lot, lot of stuff going on here. Hockey season's right around the corner. Uh, things are going on. Now we get it. You're a busy guy. Yeah. So I was monitoring inning to inning. And once I saw the Cardinals with a lead, plus the five innings in the books, I said to myself, get them out. Get them out. I don't care if it's vintage or not. Yeah. Get them out. Because what's happened the last couple of times is he's pitched good to the fifth inning and then in the fifth inning or in the sixth inning rather it blows up Mm -hmm. and he gets up five or six runs so I'm like get him out everybody's happy right now he's done his job Ollie go manage this thing like it's the World Series Mm -hmm. and he did yeah he did that's the best managing he's done all year well it goes to show you Jamie when when he and the players are motivated, good things happen. And he had a lead. And he had a lead, that which was is nice. nice. Thing too. I thought Wayno, you know, look, he's we're not talking about somebody that vintage Wayno from the standpoint of what he was three years ago, or certainly in the in the heart of his career. But for this year, that is the best we've we've kind of seen from him. I, I, it was right up there. He had one other performance early in the season there. Yeah, that looked pretty good, too. But it was it was pretty good. He went, I think he almost got to seven innings. You know. It was good. It, he, he had a good mix going last night. I feel like too many times this year he's had to eliminate multiple pitches out of his arsenal. He has not, he has not used his fastball. But even in. Fastball. Well, he is fastball. Oh. But even in those starts, Jamie, he's he has removed certain pitches. You know, like, ah, I got to ditch the cutter. Cutter, I don't have a feel for the cutter. But last night, he had all three of his pitches working. He used the curve. He used the sinker. He used his cutter. He kept hitters off balance. He looked good. Now, the, the, the Orioles still had a bunch of runners on base, but then he would use timely ground balls to set up important double plays. He, he really pitched well last night based on where he is in his career and what we've seen over the last two months. I mean, he hadn't won a game since June 17th, I think. Yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. He looked good. He looked great. And that's a good that Orioles team's got some pop in the lineup too. Oh, it's loaded. They're loaded with guys who can who can hit the ball. So for Adam Wainwright to go out there and shove the way he did, I'm thrilled, man. Thrilled. I mean, who isn't? That Wayno's Wayno personally chasing 200. Um you know, he's one step closer to that now, which is great. But I was just happy that Wayno had a nice, good evening of baseball. Yeah. Honestly, 
I, I, last thing I wanted to have happen is Wayno go out where he didn't pitch well. Mm-hmm. He wasn't happy with his last 10 outings, whatever it was. You know, just end on a good note. If you're a diehard Cardinals fan, you're watching these games, looking at Mason Wynn and watching Jordan Walker and maybe maybe keeping an eye on some of these these younger pitchers. Drew Rom pitches again tonight. You have an eye on the future. But the overarching storyline for the Cardinals right now is still Adam Wainwright's pursuit of 200. Everybody has backed Waino in this pursuit. If you're a casual Cardinals fan, or even if you're you're you know you're a uh, a big time Cardinals fan, but this year was just too much and you started to tune out. This is the one storyline that you continue to follow. Adam Wainwright last night talked about his performance and talked about what the win meant. It was a good one. It was a good one. It's, it's been a long time coming, but um, tonight my stuff was better. I had better better action on my pitches and you know better mindset attacked better it's a great team over there so i'm glad we won and uh, it was a good win for our team too speaking of the team wayno as we know has a 199 career wins the cardinals have 253 victories in the regular season in games that adam wainwright has pitched wow it's a 617 winning percentage the cardinals have won a lot when adam wainwright starts and that's that's out of 410 starts at 617 winning percentage a second to only bob gibson we know what Adam Wainwright has meant in his career to the Cardinals. Go out on top, man. It's been a bad year. If he could get to 200, we'll celebrate it. You send him off into retirement on the on the right note. I was glad to see it last night. He's going to have three starts left. I think he gets four. You think he gets four? I, think, I could see it. I could see if he's at 199, he's pitching pretty good. Nothing's blowing up, but he's just not getting the wins. I could see Ollie pulling somebody out of that rotation to make sure, sure why not? that Wayno gets one more crack at it. Mm-hmm. And I'll stand by this again. One of these games, I predict the last game at Bush Stadium this year, Wayno's going to DH. I'd like to see it. Well, I'm telling you. I've got sources, Anthony. Oh. No, I don't really. None of those guys will actually talk to me after some of those things I say on here. You do have sources. I, they're just not telling you. To, just, and they're not Cardinals players. Um but my sources tell me... Yeah, your neighbor doesn't count. Oh, come on. He's a great neighbor. And he's a police officer. Thank you for your service, by He the counts way. as a human being. I'm just saying... I'm glad as, to as have one him your, next door to me, Anthony. As one of your cardinal sources, he doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I mean. he's going to DH. I can see it. I like that. Like, multiple cracks at getting one more home run. Mm-hmm. Like, not just a pinch hit off the bench, a complimentary... No. Wayno's going to DH. And the other pitcher's going to throw watermelons out there and Wayno, if you can hit one you go get it big boy he, t- he took a lot of pride i don't know what what, it, what the status is now with no with no uh national league sources d- tell pitching. me anthony that he's been taking batting practice okay that's what i was gonna say that's actually fact he he has always taken pride in it you know a couple of guys on the grounds crew over there at bush stadium so, well, so you do have sources yeah i mean they're not connected to the clubhouse yeah but fine. They're good with grass. You had mentioned nice. You had mentioned Ali Marmel managing well. How about the the list of relievers that came in and pitched four scoreless innings? You had Giovanni Gallegos. You had Matthew Libertor. You had John King, who BT mentioned yesterday. The Cardinals seem to really like him and the way uh-huh. he's pitching. John King was one of those acquisitions in the at the trade deadline. That one for Jordan Montgomery. 
So Gallegos, Libertor, King, Ryan Helsley, all protected Wano's lead. Four scoreless innings. He threw everything he had. He did out there to get the win for Wayno. Great, he should. What what more? What more is to be done here? Get that man. You. Get that man his two hundredth victory and and head into the off season and regroup. Listen, you have a bad season like the Cardinals have had. You want to celebrate things that you can actually be happy about. And Adam Wainwright getting the victory last night—that's something you celebrate. Mason Wynn getting his first home run. All these things are like. You find reasons now to enjoy going to the ballpark. This is one of those reasons. Right now, that clubhouse is excited for Wayno's next start. I don't know if that was the case two weeks ago. I'm just, no, but I'm serious. They don't like him? No, because it's stressful. The rest of the team feels the stress, too. Because you got a guy that you want to go out there and win so badly for, and let's say you you go out there and you put up one run. One run for Wayno. You feel like a baggie, you know what. So there's a certain amount of stress that goes behind it. Now Wayne got a victory. Now you're like, all right, yes, let's go get 200 now. Makes sense. I thought it was funny. I was watching the end of the game. Usually at the end of the game, they'll show the players or the, or the manager. Or I thought last night after the win, they'd show Wayno in the dugout. But they showed Ollie and the staff because they were so fired up for Wainwright to yeah. get that win. And, I mean, we can criticize Ollie Marmel. All day long for some of the things that uh, he's done this season, and rightfully so. There's some moves that I think he would probably like back, but we do have to give him credit when credit is due. And I thought he did a great job last night managing that bullpen to get Wayno 199. Certainly, that's Andrew Marsh, that's Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Salter. We do have Budweiser Bash tickets to give away at some point during the show, so stay locked in here on 101 ESPN. You can join us for Blues and Brews. Don't forget, it's next Friday evening, September 22nd. It's being held at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. You can get fired up just like we are for the Blues' upcoming season. It's going to be an outdoor street party, and we've got plenty of live stuff going on, including live music from country music star Chris Lane, as well as locals, local blues musician Marquise Knox. Appearances by blues players, including Jordan, Jordan Bennington, Colton Pareko, Braden Shen, Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, Kevin Hayes. You got Coach Craig Ruby going to be out there too, and several Blues alumni, including our very own Jamie Rivers, yes, will sir. be doing the broadcast from out there. The fast lane will be out there. Food trucks, 101 ESPN giveaways, and more. Tickets for Blues and Brews are now on sale. Just go to 101ESPN.com. Blues and Brews presented by Bud Light, 101 ESPN, and 92.3 WIL. Cardinals just tweeted out six minutes ago that infielder Nolan Gorman, a right hamstring strain, has been placed on the 10-day IL. In his replacement, they have uh, called up from Memphis, and boy, this is a this is a name, Uniel Caracuto. Nailed it. He will wear number 62. Is he in the lineup? We'll find out next when we play a lineup game on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cardinals taking on the Baltimore Orioles, the final game of that series at Oriole Park tonight. 535 local time. Drew Rom, the left-hander versus Kyle Gibson, the right-hander. Maybe future Cardinal? Gibby, I'd do it. He's a free agent. Why wouldn't you? There's your guy, fourth or fifth guy in the rotation. I'm in. Well, he might be better than that, but 
I'd take him. All right, so so Gibby, as we know, is a right-hander. Friend of the show, too, Anthony. Friend of the show, friend of the station. Yep. Absolutely. Great right. guy, quality guy. And he likely is going to face Lars Newbar, right? Oh, wait, whoa, whoa. No? That was weird. Well, I, he's a right-hander. I think yeah, it's going to be Yeah, but we got to do the whole RHP, and then we sit there and think for a second. We just roll into the grinder. You know, I like to operate my offense. Yeah. Uh... Almost at breakneck speed, a la Colorado. It's, it's I feel are. like with everything, Anthony, you want to just get it over with. Well, you want to like hurry up and be done. It's the hurry up. It's a yeah. hurry up offense. I know sometimes you got to go. You ever heard that? You know, low and slow. You know, that's how you cook. You're Nebraska's offense or Wisconsin's offense. I want to. I'm thinking more like Barry I'm White's going Dion, offense. I'm going Dion's offense. All right, Barry White's offense. Yeah, low and slow. So, Newt. <laughs> so, after all that, Newt. Yeah, let's go. Show us, Newt. One, two, three, four. I'm grinding. I'm, I'm grinding. grinding. See? He gets it. <laughs> Who, Stewie? Yeah. All right. All right. So, yesterday, this was Tommy Edmund. Does it go back to Goldie? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. Goldie hit a home run his first at bat yesterday in the three hole. Uh huh. So who's here then? I don't know. Uh, Gorman's out. Yep. Back. Is it Palacios? Left-handed bat. Two ding-dong Johnsons yesterday. You mean Ken Griffey? Seriously. I think this is quite high in the lineup for Richie. Yeah. So I go back away, even though I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Tommy Edmund. Okay. Go for it. Or is it Alec Burleson? I don't think it's Burleson. Uh, show us. Tommy Edmund. No, no, Son no. Of- this not, this is one of those games. This is one of those games. Ollie's going to... I almost said it. Mess with us. Go ahead. Show us Paul Goldschmidt. Gold! Oh. Rich with gold! Gold! Who'd you think I was going with? No, I, I wasn't mad at you, Anthony. Okay? It's not always about you. <laughs> like, every time it's something good, it's like, what did I do? No, you didn't do anything, Anthony. This was about Ollie. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know who this is. It's not Corman. <laughs> I thought we were doing this together. Well, we like to do it differently. You're Spin Master, uh, Spin Master Flex over there right now. You're spinning everything. Sure. Uh, this has got to be Nolan Arenado. He, de- he doesn't break up the Backstreet Boys, Goldie and Arnado. They're either two and three or three and four. All right. Okay. Go for it. Show us. Nolan. Arnado. You are so wrong. <laughs> I kind of knew it too, Janet. Son of a. Okay. So hold on here. Let's think about this. So Contreras is hurt. He's got a hand. He's, he's got a, a hand lefty. injury. Gore- then it's Burleson. I, I'm with you on that. Okay. So instead of Gorman, he just he's going with Burleson because Gorman's hurt. Yeah. All he's right. going with the off-brand Gorman. Show us the off-brand Nolan Gorman, please. Some lefty-on-lefty magic from a guy like Nolan Gorman who's hitting near you in the lineup. Let's go with Gorman light. What? All right. This now, is your guy. Now. now show us. Nolan Arnado. What a shame. Oh, no. what? oh he's got to get he's him off, off his feet. He's, he's, he's tuckered out, Anthony. All right, so he's not this playing. This is Big Willie, then. No, he's hurt. He's got the hand injury. Ah, he can still bat, can't he? I don't, yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Walker, who the hell? O'Neill. 
If O'Neal's in the lineup, now he did yeah. play yesterday. Oh, two in a row. That's tough. Two in a row is tough. I don't think he can do it. Although he, it's not turf. If this is O'Neal, right. If this is O'Neal, uh-huh. I think he probably gets the next week off. But I don't know. <laughs> I else did. I don't know who else would be in the cleanup spot. I, I'm with you. All right. Show us Tyler O'Neal. There we go. Man, I am thrown for a loop now. Okay, now it's going to get ugly. This is murderous. Uh, Jordan Walker. No. Okay. I don't know why I said that right away. <laughs> I just don't think What so. about Palacios? I, I would. I would. We've already messed up. Go for it. We've already messed up this Sh- week. Show us Ken Griffey. Richie Palacios. Richie, do I have a mark on my face? <laughs> it really hurts. Nope, nothing. I thought I hit you on the shoulder. My shoulder doesn't hurt very much, but my face does. Why Why that cut? Because he says Richie. He says Richard. Richard? That makes sense. Plus, it's funny. All right. Not here. Here. Right. right here. Palacios goes from the bench to fifth. Well, yeah, you had two ding-dong Johnsons. I'd be, stay with the hot hand. No doubt. I think this is Walker. Walk it like it's hot. All right, yeah, let's walk it like it's hot, please. Walk it like it's hot. Walk it like it's hot. <laughs> okay. All right. Is Kisner? I, uh, well, yeah, Kisner's going to be in this lineup. Wynn's going to be in this lineup. I Ad- think Kisner's admin. at seven. Okay, go for it. Show us Andrew Kisner. I'm the captain now. Yes. yes. Okay. Then no. maybe Edmund and Win. Yep. All right. Show us Tommy Edmund. Sorry, guys. Okay. Who's playing third? Did they flip-flop third? Win and Edmund? Well, no. Who's playing third? That's our question. So Arenado's out. We have nobody to play third right now. And I think the only other infielder. Cause, cause, yeah, because Gorman's out. Yeah, so this has got to be for mean. He can't play third, can he? I don't know. what. I've who, seen him at second. If Arnado's out and, and Gorman's back? out, no, I don't think See? so. You, then, you, you laughed, right? This we could have used the mat sauce today. <laughs> All you people laughed. Could you imagine like Ollie coming into the clubhouse? Well, going into Mo's office would have been better. You see? Yeah, we could have used the mat sauce. We need sauce. this guy. <laughs> you got rid of him. I was just picturing Ollie walking back into the clubhouse and like saying, "All right, boys, hey, hey, we won a game yesterday. Let's go. Good job. Let's build a little more." Why is Taylor Motter back? <laughs> like he looks over and it's Mott Sauce there in the corner. Poor Mott Sauce. Why the hell is Motter back? I don't even think Mott Sauce is playing. I think he's like in some limbo. They've got him on some roster thing where he can't actually play, but he's not off the roster. He's probably happy as ever though. Like just you know, yeah, no problem. I'll get the call back. All right, this is for mean. I think. All right, go for it. Show us Jose Fermin. I'll be back. Oh, boy. And this has to be, well, win. well, does it have to be win? It does, We're and it could, be, it could be Edmund. I think it's Mason Win though. After, so that, after that toss to first base at 172 miles an hour yesterday. No big deal. I mean, that's an exaggeration, a little bit. Was it? Eh. Show us Mason Win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Nice. Oh, we took a machete to that one, but no, we got through terrible. it. That was actually pretty decent. I mean, for what it was, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Is right. You can tell Wayno's not on the bump today. No, they get the old B squad. Mm. Sorry, Goldie and Newt. Drew Rob. And Walker. Sorry, Drew. Mm. Okay, run it, Marsh. Leading off in center field, Lars Taylor Tattoo Newt Bar. Batting second, the DH, Paul Goldschmidt. Ooh. Batting third, first baseman, Alec Burleson. Your cleanup hitter in left field, Tyler O'Neill. 
Batting fifth, second baseman, Richie Palacios. Second base. Second base. This guy brings gloves to the field, Anthony. Brendan Donovan, you're on notice. Batting sixth, third baseman. I'm just kidding. Right, right fielder, Jordan Walker. Oh, wow. what a, Walker was a third baseman. I know. That would be fun to see him play third base. No, don't mess with the kid. Not right now. Oh <laughs> uh, batting seventh, catching Andrew Kisner. Batting eighth, third baseman, Jose Fermin. Batting ninth, the shortstop, Mason Wynn. Choose your character. Back, 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 back. Stay fair! Stay fair, go fair! Go fair, go fair! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! Over under five and a half runs for the Orioles tonight. You taking the over or under with that defensive lineup against Drew Rock? Uh. <laughs> five and a half. I'm setting it five and a half. Is that the line? I'm sure it is. I don't like your snark. I think it's going to be a. I think I think they're scoring five. Okay. Which is still kind of a lot, but. Well, All right. So Mars says five. I'm so he's taking the under seven. I'm um, with Jamie. Yeah. Jamie. I think seven's the number tonight. Seven. Not eight. Nope. Seven. Not six. Seven. Seven. All right, so Jamie has nine home runs. He has led us. He has not blown a lead yet. He has led on it. right out of the gates. The Cardinals bullpen right now. So Jamie's got nine. After Goldie's home run for me yesterday, I now have eight, right? I got the snowman? Yeah. Yep. And Marsh, you have four. Yes. So Jamie Rivers, you still have honors, man. Yeah. You got a lot of choices here, too. <laughs> you got a guy who hit two Ding Dong Johnsons last night. Yeah, you do. Probably not going to happen again tonight. But... Not with that attitude. Nope, it won't. Lars Newpar has to run into one here soon. He has to. Anthony, he has to. I'm sure. I mean, he could. Capable. Goldie. Determined. Goldie's always a good option, too. Goldie hates me, so he never hits a home run for me. Wow. That is true. I know. I don't blame him. I hate me sometimes. I'm going to go Lars Newpar. Lead off. First pitch. <laughs> First pitch. There you go. You keep going back to it. <laughs> at some point, Anthony, it'll hit, and at I'll look s- like a genius. At some point, the 16th seed did beat the one. That's right. So keep, keep predicting it, and eventually I, you'll be right. I got the new. Okay, there are three Cardinals that have home runs off of Kyle Gibson. Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, and Wilson Contreras. None of them are in their lineup. (laughs) You left me Goldie. I got to go with Goldie. Goldie to hit a home run and to even me with Jamie Rivers at nine Ding Dong Johnson's apiece. After Lars. After after Nars. After Lars. (laughs) Nars. Nars. Mars, who do you got? I mean, you left me the guy that hit two Ding Dong Johnsons last night, Richie Palacios. I'm going with him. I think he does it again. Might as well. Hey, I hope he does. Uh, Marsh, correct me if I'm wrong. We need a new Beat the Street contestant, right? Mm. Because I believe our guy Jacob had... He had Lars Newpar, didn't he? He had Arnado, I thought, um, last night. And I think I think Arnado went 0 for Gopher, I, didn't I believe. I didn't yesterday because he was the only guy who took a Cardinal yesterday. Yes. He did take Arnado. Yeah. He did? Yeah. Okay, yeah. N- Ar- Nolan Arnato, 0 for 4 last night. Our guy, Marshy, has got a nice streak going on himself. Just the opposite streak. Oh, mm. 
after taking Anthony Santander yeah. two games ago, mm-hmm. and Santander went over go for himself, mm-hmm. Marsh said, screw that guy. I'm going with Cedric Mullins, mm. who went 0 for Gopher last night. I mean, I'm sort of helping the team out, if you really think about it. <laughs> You're doing your part. I'm doing my part. Nice job. Thank S- you. Santander had two hits last night, of course. I can't pick everybody. No, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But when you, So my point is, we do need a new Beat the Streak contestant. So if you want to text in Streak or BTS to the Air Comfort Service text line at 314 46 again 314-399-9646 you can potentially play beat the streak at some point in the five o'clock hour it's fast lane on 101 espn what makes a qb successful at the nfl level well something one young quarterback said today does not make you successful at all we'll tell you what this quarterback said and why it's kind of a, a shaky situation for this young qb who was hyped this offseason i'll tell you what he said next on 101 espn Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Justin Fields hyped up beyond belief after last last season. And the kid had a, a an ex, he's an exciting player. He runs around, he does his thing. It's exciting. I don't feel like you're crazy about this guy. Well, Anthony. I think I, I'm I just feeling the passion. I'm not being I'm not being a jerk. There's just more to the quarterback position than than you know running around and, and making plays that are off script. What are you talking about? There's a guy that won a Heisman trophy as a freshman. Didn't even know the playbook. Yeah. Look what look what that guy did. Yeah, he made a documentary about his career that yeah. didn't go anywhere. How did, that guy made millions not how, knowing anything. How'd it go in the NFL? <laughs> not great. He not knew great. something. He knew that uh he could sign autographs and make a lot of money. Yeah. That's I mean, true. Johnny, could you imagine Johnny Manziel in the current college football landscape? Oh, my goodness. He he wouldn't even have to play the he NFL. He wouldn't have to play in the NFL. No. He could choose not to. Yeah. He would make millions. You, you, you could argue that the college football landscape now is because of what Johnny Manziel did. Yeah, that's did. true. Him and Tim Tebow. Yeah, well, very true. A lot of them. 
Yeah, those ones. And Reggie but, Bush, too. Yeah, Reggie Those Bush were a lot well. of guys that, that paved the way. Anybody who's been in a Heisman Trophy nomination, almost anybody, has something in their past. I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee it. Anyways. S- sources. Yeah, my source is down at Bush Stadium. James got guys. Groundskeeper at Bush knows his stuff. Yeah, they know James a lot Scott about grass. Hey, he's a Bush guy. He knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> so Justin Fields. Getting back to Justin Fields. Herb Howard uh, tweeted this out. He's a Chicago Bears beat reporter and a, and a uh, co-host as a radio show and a podcast. Tweeted this out earlier today about Justin Fields. This is a quote from Fields. At the end of the day, you got to have trust in your OC, offense coordinator. I'm not going to just go to the line of scrimmage and change the whole play when we've talked about it. We talked about why we're running the play in a certain situation. This is on Luke Getze. This is on Matt Eberflus. This is on Justin Fields. At the, at the NFL level, if you are not empowering your quarterback to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage audibles at the line of scrimmage based on what he is seeing from the defense, you're going to die a very quick death. You have to empower your QB to make those calls. He's the one that's out there. He's the one that's in the trenches. He's the one that's communicating, or at least he should be, with his center to set offensive line protections and to read defenses. This quote, Jamie... Tells, tells us all we need to know about where Justin Fields is in his development, where Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears, and Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator with the Bears, where they have Fields in his development. His play matches this quote. He's, he's a quarterback that can make a lot of things happen off script. Play breaks down. He can use his legs. He can he can move. Uh-huh. And make th- make throws on the run, or or just pick up big time yardage on the run. He is not somebody that can get into the rhythm of an offense if he's not allowed to check off certain plays. So if he, is he not allowed, or is he unable? We don't know. We're not we're not in there. We don't know. You know because and that's this has been the hill that I've been dying on all football season long. I know we just started, but anytime we've talked about a young quarterback with tremendous amount of ability that doesn't have control of the offense or is unable to read defensive coverages or change things at the line of scrimmage or the playbook's too big, I, I I default to, is it the player or is it the coach? Yeah. And I ask that because I, I, I want to know. Because I think Justin Fields is capable of almost anything athletically. I think he can, I think he can run, he can pass, he can do all that stuff. Yeah. But is he capable of reading the coverage? Is he capable of changing a play at the line of scrimmage to where he's because he's recognizing something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he hasn't been allowed to do that yet. Or maybe he has and he's failed miserably. And so they're like, no, there's no audibles. We call the play, you run the damn play. Right. And if it breaks down, you run. That's the audible. Sure. So I, I, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out with a lot of young quarterbacks, but specifically Justin Fields per this conversation, mm-hmm. if he's unable to do it or they're not letting him do it. But if he's not, so if, they, if they're not letting him do it, doesn't that go back to him not being able to do it? Because these coaches want to be an NFL head coach. Calling audibles at the line of scrimmage has been a thing for years. 
the best quarterbacks call audibles at the line of scrimmage. Peyton Manning was one of the best to do it. Well, yeah. So if he can't do it and they're not letting him do it, like I'm connecting the dots. It's on Justin Fields. But maybe he did do it, and then they were like, okay, he's not ready, and right. they've never given him the chance again since. Okay, yeah, that's, they, that's fair. You have to at some point. Or else, or else his ceiling, his ceiling is, is his tapped. ceiling is what it is right yeah. now. His ceiling will be that of an, a quarterback that improvises, and a lot of his his big time plays will come out of broken plays. And I'm not saying that's not a big part of this. Patrick Mahomes' best plays a lot of times are improvised, but Patrick Mahomes is notorious for for knowing what he's looking at. He he recognizes coverages. He breaks things down. He he I mean Travis Kelsey called him uh a nerd. He's he's a nerd for this stuff. He's somebody that's constantly looking at films. You always see Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines with a tablet. Pa- Travis Kelsey told a story one time of those two guys going to a volleyball match uh with like their significant others and Patrick Mahomes was in the car studying film, taking notes. That that's the type of of processing that you need to have out of your quarterback. So whether it's Luke Getze and and the Bears not allowing it or Justin Fields not being capable, either way, you have got to you have got to be able to to have him go to the line of scrimmage and check out of a play. Hell, Zach Wilson did it. You brought this up yesterday. Zach Wilson did it on Monday. Checked out checked out of a run through the through the 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 fade. That horrible pass to the defensive back. Garrett Wilson fortunately was on you know his receiver on that that play. He he made an unbelievable grab, but even Zach Wilson was able to check out of a, a run play. And Baker Mayfield, he also did the same thing. He knew what the defense was doing, whether it was cover two or cover three, and that helped him and the Buccaneers be, defeat the Vikings the other day. And it's shaky bakey we're talking about. So it's like you don't have to be the best quarterback in order to win NFL games. You just have to be a smart quarterback, know how to protect the football, and know what to do with the football when, when you're when you're in the game. This is also part of the issue with college quarterbacks and the transition. If you watch Justin Fields at Ohio State or C.J. Stroud for that for C.J. Stroud also came out of Ohio State. What they were asked to do at Ohio State was much different than what Bryce Young was asked to do at Alabama. I had mentioned this point before. C.J. Stroud, Justin Field, Justin Fields, a check-with-me offense. They get to the line. The coaches had an opportunity to see what the defense was in. Fields, C.J. Stroud, look over to the sideline. They get their play. They run their play. Bryce Young was able to check out of plays. He was able to audible. He was asked to do more. He was asked to read the defense pre- and post-snap. Alabama empowered Bryce Young to do that. To your question, JB, I don't know. I don't know if the Ohio State just that's just the system they run. The Bears just running this system. I don't know. But at some point, in order to win at the National Football League level, you have got your quarterback's got to be able to get in and out of place based on what he's seeing, or else you're just your offense isn't going to do anything. All right, it's fast lane on 101 ESPN. Beyond what Justin Fields can do with his legs, of course. Uh, let's talk. Let's get, let's get back into the Cardinals. The 2024 season. We're all looking forward to that. But what are some things, position player-wise and pitching, that we're not overly concerned about? And then what are some things, position player-wise and pitching, that we're very concerned about for the 2024 Cardinals season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. All right, looking ahead to the 2024 Cardinal season, what is the thing that you're most concerned about regarding the pitching staff? So the pitching staff is obviously the, the, the big thing that is the, is the most concerning aspect of 2023. When it comes to the 2024 season, what's the thing you're most concerned about regarding the pitching staff? You can do starters, pit, you can do starters, you can do the uh, front office, you can do the bullpen. <laughs> front office. I think I a lot of people I, would go that way. Yeah, I think we eliminate the front office because I don't know what the confidence level is in the front office as far as the Cardinals fans are concerned. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of confidence that they're going to get what they need yep. in the offseason. So let's, let's take the front office out of there. Um, my biggest concern is the rotation. It is. It's just two things. Well, one thing, first of all, you've got Miles Michaelis right now. Yeah. Stephen Matz and, is and hurt. And banged up Stephen Matz. Stephen Matz is hurt. And so, Stephen Matz coming off an injury again. Again. And you don't have a lot of innings eaters. You don't have any swing and miss. Um, and you don't have the proper number of guys to even field a rotation. So for me, the starting rotation is by far my biggest concern because I feel like the bullpen will get help by default. Dakota Hudson, Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, maybe. Like, you've got some guys there. Will Palante be back? I think he's pitching for <clears throat> his spot in spring training. But you got Helsley. Uh, you got Geo. Like, you've got some pieces to where – and you can even shove some more guys to the bullpen if you want. So, for me, it's the rotation. Mine's a rotation, too, but I, I don't think – I know you eliminated the front office just because we kind of move, you know, move them forward from it. Specifically, my concern is them looking at what they have internally and saying, ah, you know, we like what we have internally. Ah, we tried in free agency. And I've been the guy that has, that has reminded everybody that free agency is a crapshoot from the standpoint of these guys are free to sign whoever they want, who, to, to sign with whoever they want to. Aaron Nola is free to sign with whomever he wants to. Boy, is he going to get paid. Blake Snell is... Absolutely. Blake Snell is free to sign with whoever... It's not just the Cardinals. It's not like Snell and Nola have to pass through St. Louis first, then go on to the next spot. What? It is the gateway to the West, though. It is the gateway to the West. You're right. For Nola. Yeah. So. Nola yeah. would, have to, would absolutely have to pass through here to get to the mm-hmm. Dodgers. He would, yeah, but he doesn't have to uh, stop by and ask the Cardinals if they if they want to sign. You know, him. he's stopping for the toasted wraps. That's true. Sure, he loves the hill. Of yeah. course, he does. I know I'm being a bit of a jerk here, but I th- I think some fans feel he's as though him. that it's all, you're right. It's all about Mo and Mo not not signing these guys as if these free agents are free to sign not not free to sign with anybody else. But my concern lies in there's still plenty of other options. They might not be aces. And in fact, those are the only two aces that are avail- that will be available in the offseason. But don't tell me that you can't sign three other capable guys. Might be two-year deals. Might be one-year deals. I'm fine with that. You have to upgrade the starting rotation. There are, there are plenty of options. And we ran through the list of names well, we about several one. times. We just talked about Gibby. Kyle Gibson, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda. I realize that not all these, James Paxson, some of these guys are like, ah, no, 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 they're not aces. I know. But you might not land an ace. But do you want one of those guys who are coming off good seasons, or do you want them to run it back with Dakota Hudson and Drew Rom? Because, well, we like our guys and we want to see more. That is my yeah. concern. 
Can't have that. No. Can't Mark? have that. I'd rather I'd rather have three guys that the Cardinals signed that are three, four, and five starters. I'd rather have that, and I know that's making people vomit right now. I'd rather have that than to run it back with the internal options. I'm with you. If they have to settle on some of these yeah. internal options because of injuries or poor performance or the guys you or signed, call-ups, fine. Whatever. Yeah, fine. But I don't I, – I, that's my concern well, with the front office. The biggest thing that people have to realize, and I understand, like, everybody wants Aaron Nola. Go get Nola. Go get Snell. Okay, great. Great. We're in. The problem with that whole thing is that all the other big name guys are now off the market. So, uh, what's his name out in LA? Julio Urias. Urias. He's yeah. as good as done. Mm-hmm. The, the Dodgers have emptied his locker. They've scrubbed mm-hmm. his image off the wall and all that. Like, for, so, those, for those that don't know, he's, fa- he's facing his second domestic mm-hmm. violence yeah. accusation. And there's like video of it and stuff. So, yeah. not good. So, him being off the market. And Shohei Otani being uh, off the market as a pitcher, certainly what happens then is all of the big fish now are swimming around the only available food, mm-hmm. which is Snell and Nola. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Cardinals and you thought you're going to sneak in there with a, a good offer, somewhat team friendly, bigger offer than you're going to get, because you got the Cardinals and the birds on the bat, that ain't happening. Because whoever it is, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's the Yankees, I mean, pick your pony. They're going to walk in with with a hammer and just go, and they're going to kill the Cardinals offer and be like, well, here's what we're going to give you, Nola. Right. So that's why that's important. My concern with the front office is that they're going to get the wrong guy. Not that they're going to go out and not get three guys or however many they end up needing in the offseason, but they end up getting the wrong guy. We've seen Mo do well during the trade deadline, getting a guy like Jordan Montgomery, Jose Quintana, doing a good job at finding pieces during the season. We have not really seen that in free agency. You think of Mike Leak, right? They could have picked up David Price. That would have been a disaster. So I'm hoping they don't get the wrong guy for the wrong amount of time and the wrong price too, because ultimately you don't want to be stuck with a guy that ends up being terrible for you for three or four years. Mm So that's my concern. We'll expand this conversation a little bit later on in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. Fascinating question for our guy Jamie, who's going to have uh, an outstanding answer on this because he studies the not not just the Blues, but just the overall league, the NHL, where it's heading, headed, where it has been heading over the last couple of years. What is the modern-day makeup of a Stanley Cup winning team? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think that model is something that you still have to incorporate. You still have to keep as part of the culture. What really, though, has to happen is those top-end guys just have to produce in those top-end minutes. It's not so much the model. It's just the continued growth of the player. And the reality of it is, guys, is while the Blues have had some really good offensive players, and in 2019, for example, they were a great sum of their parts, I don't know that they've had more of that 
high-end, 80-point-plus type skill on their team. Tarasenko should have been it, I think, a little bit more often, but, you know, not quite the same as, as having, like, a Kaprizov and a McKinnon and some of those other guys. And so if Thomas and Kairou, which Navich maybe, can get to some of that level, it's just another level of skill. But still, that overall kind of team pack mentality, is, is I, th- I think, is a critical one to win in the National Hockey League. That was Chris Gerber, voice of the Blues, right here on 101 ESPN with BK and Ferrario earlier today. It's the Fast Lane 301. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. What is the modern-day makeup of a Stanley Cup winning team? So if we relate this to the Blues... Do the Blues need high-end players in order to be successful in the NHL? I think anybody would say, well, yeah, sure, that that certainly helps. Uh, But, Jamie, when it comes to adding high-end players, that's what Doug Armstrong's trying to do. He's also going to deal with a cap. Oh, yeah, that thing called the salary cap? Yeah, so that that impedes you in in terms of what what you can do in a singular offseason. But when it comes to the Blues specifically, and the modern-day makeup of a Stanley Cup winning team, do they have enough high-end players? I think they I think they do, but I think for me the biggest thing is going to be what are the strides that are made by Thomas and Cairo? Yeah. Because they have to be your star players. And So let's go back here to, to building a contending team. The Copycat League. Let's look at the Vegas Golden Knights. What did they do? <clears throat> Jack Eichel was their top scorer, Anthony. How many points do you think Jack Eichel had? 56. 66. Next in line was Chandler Stevenson. 65. 57 for Marcia So, And you're working your way down. One would think to yourself, woof, it's not all that great. Now, in Jack Eichel's defense, he had 66 points in 67 games played. So Jack Eichel's probably an eighty-five to ninety-point guy. But even so, what are, what are the top? What are, what's Nathan McKinnon? What's, well, those guys what's are off the They're over hundred points. Right, and you Vegas know, won the cup last Vegas year. Vegas won the cup. So when you go to St. Louis, they pull up the top scorers. Jordan Cairo had seventy-three points in seventy-nine games. Pavel Buchnevich had sixty-seven points in sixty-three games. Braden Shen had sixty-five points in eighty-two games. So you see that the offense has to be spread around a little bit. The Edmonton Oilers have two of the greatest players in the world right now, in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They didn't even get to the Stanley Cup final last year. Why? Because Vegas was able to contain two players while while having a full team pack mentality of their own. So it's much like the, you know, the run the Blues had in 2019. There wasn't that one standout player. It was a group of players, very good depth. Some would argue some of the best depth that the Blues have ever had. And I, I only say that because I referenced the fourth line. You had Steen, Barbashev, and Sunquest. That was your fourth line. Mm-hmm. Like, what a luxury that is. So when you look at the way these teams are made up, <clears throat> Vegas Golden Knights have two guys, two high-end players in as far as salary is concerned. Jack Eichel at $10 million a year. Mark Stone at $9.5 million. Then it drops to $5.9 million and below. All the rest of the team, the rest of the forward group is underneath $5.9 million per player. So if you go to the St. Louis Blues in this, with this formula, the Blues also have two guys that are paid big time right now, and that is 
Robert Thomas, and Jordan Cairo at $8.1 million each. Then they got Braden Shen at 6.5. Then remember that $5.9 million mm-hmm. for Vegas? Then it drops to $5.8 million for the Blues and below. So the Blues have the blueprint as far as forwards are concerned right now. But are Cairo and Thomas good enough? Are Cairo and Thomas able to be Eichel and Stone? I don't know. I don't think so. Not right now. Maybe a year down the road, they can be. But Eichel and Stone are two of the best 200-foot players in, in the NHL. And you can tell they're not putting up astronomical numbers. Even if Eichel puts up 85 points, it's not like Cairo and Thomas can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think the Blues are similar to Vegas in the way they've constructed their lineup based on salary. Then you go to the defensive core. This is where things get different uh, for the Blues because the Vegas Golden Knights, this was what won them the Stanley Cup. That decor was awesome. It was awesome. They had Alex Petrangelo, had Shea Theodore, had Martinez, uh, White Cloud, Hutton. They had some mutants, McNabb back there. You couldn't get to the middle of the ice. You couldn't get those second chances or third chances. What's something last year that the Blues did poorly defensively? Their decor, specifically. They weren't good in front of the net. They weren't good behind the net. (laughs) They didn't take away the middle of the ice. They didn't deny the second and third opportunities. And they didn't take away the front of the net. So this is is your difference maker right here. Because I believe that their goaltender last year, they went through four goaltenders in, in the final. They had... Uh, they had Thompson, then they had Hill, they had Brossois, Jonathan Quick. Hill ended up being the guy to get the bulk of the games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that Jordan Bennington's not as good, if not better, than Aiden Hill. Mm-hmm. I say he is every day and twice on Sundays. Yeah. Okay? Better goal prevention all the way around. Better goal prevention. It's what, you, it's what you've preached. So that's the key for me. If you're building a Stanley Cup contender right now, you have to have depth within your lineup. So where your first line can't be Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and the drop-off is so poor that you can't even recognize who the hell the guys are on the fourth line anymore. And you can't just have two or three defensemen that are good and the rest of them are just not available as far as being solid defensively. Having a number one defenseman, that doesn't hurt either. Right. Having a guy that where every single time something happens, he's over the boards. Power play, over the boards. Penalty kill. Over the boards. Last minute of play, we need a goal. Over the boards. Last minute of play, we're up by a goal. We got to defend. Over the boards. It's you've got to have the automatic guy. Now, can the Blues get there with some of these guys? The Blues don't have an Alex Petrangelo. They don't. It's not an insult to any of these guys that are playing right now. Colton Pareko is not Alex Petrangelo. Justin Falk is not Alex Petrangelo. But can Letty, Pareko, Falk, Krug? Scandella, Bortuzzi, can those guys collectively play better? Yes, they have to. But this, to me, is where the biggest difference lies between last year's Stanley Cup champion Mm -hmm. and the St. Louis Blues, the way they currently sit. Is the two top-end offensive guys in in the forward group, you fill that out with good depth, where I think the Blues have done a very good job of that, then your decor has to have guys that just simply don't give up good opportunities against. Right. I mean, what's, what's the goal of any GM in any sport, especially ones with caps, to get the best roster that fits under the cap. And the best roster is not the first five to ten spots on the roster. It's it's the full roster. So 53 
in the NFL. What's a what's a roster size in in the NHL? Depending on the year, 23, 24. 23, 24. Baseball, 20, 26. What, and baseball doesn't have a cap, so maybe poor example. But what is what is the best roster, top to bottom, that I can get under this cap? You're building a team. The difference, as you illustrated, between Vegas and a lot of teams, not just the Blues, is they have they have the guy in in key spots. Petrangelo being being the top dog. That's the one guy that's irreplaceable. And the Blues, unfortunately, have found that out. But you're building a team. You're not just saying, okay, well, let's just try to get all the best players when they're available. How do they fit? How do they work in concert with each other? And Vegas, and you've illustrated this a couple of times now, which is great, they have the best team under the cap. Yep. The best collection that fit together perfectly that play the system that they want to play perfectly to the roles, so everybody knows what they're doing perfectly, and they want a cop. And they're Blues well had that in 19. They're well coached, too. Bruce Cassidy's a hell of a coach. We sure. know that. We saw him in the final with the Bruins. We get a question here from FedEx Brian. Uh, he, it's a long question. I'm going to pare it down, Brian, so if you're listening, I'm going to get to the crux of your question. Basically, he said that um, he feels like the Blues need some redwoods on the back line. Some big bodies back mm. there. And apparently him and Alex Ferrario have gone back and forth. And Alex said that the days of having Redwoods on the back line are over. Uh, you brought this up. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with Alex Ferrario on this one. I was about to say, because I feel like we just had this this conversation not yeah. too long ago. And you were talking about how big Vegas is. Yeah, they're massive. Yeah. And so Alex is half right on this. And what I mean by that is gone are the days where you just have a big six foot six guy who... Can't pass, can't shoot, just throws the puck off the glass and blocks shots and fights people. That guy is no longer in the NHL. I mean, they're, they're, some of them are there, but they're not serviceable. They're not making a difference. But the game has evolved now. The big men can move. And boy, does Vegas have size. Petro's 6'3, McNabb's 6'5, Hag is 6'6, Martinez 6'1, White Cloud's a little smaller at six feet tall. But boy, can he move and he's strong on his feet. Those are oak trees back there. And all of those guys can skate and move the puck. And if you look at the Vegas Golden Knights defensive core, they make the pass out of the zone and they join the attack. Even big guys like Braden McNabb, who's not all that fleet of foot, he's a part of the supporting group on the offensive push. So, yes, you need some size. And that was the biggest thing. If you looked at Vegas in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, Nobody could effectively get to the middle of the ice. Mm -hmm. They couldn't. The shots were coming from outside, and then it was like a wall. Can't get in here. You are not welcome. And that was it. No second, third opportunity. So I think that FedEx Brian is right. The Blues could benefit from some size. Why do you think Tyler Tucker, why do you think he signed a contract? Why do you think he got a one-way deal to play this year? Because he's dangling around out there? No. Because he skates well, good first pass, good anticipation, he's big, and he's physical. Mm -hmm. This is why Tyler Tucker's going to get an opportunity this year. Because you need that in your lineup. You get a text from the 636. Feel like that six foot six guy would crush it at the Stalter Clearing Academy. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, thank you for that. (laughs) 
636? 636. Well done, 636. Yeah. Uh, clear camp. We're, we're looking for mm-hmm. opportunities now after a certain company passed on our clear mm-hmm. camp. Um, but don't worry. We're still... We're still game for 2025, is that what we're saying? I think it was 2035, but 20- we're trying to knock that year down. Sure. I'm sure there's rinks around town that have some some eyes open. Clear, clear camp coming to a rink near you soon-ish. Yeah. No, it isn't. That's not... <laughs> were you about to say that's, that's next, next. <laughs> That's next. We're going to break, break down the clear camp here and why Jamie is so opposed to it. Sports Six Pack is next. 314-399-9646 if you have... A question for us. Great. Send it in. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service Tax Line. Sports 6 back next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions via the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Question number one. All right, guys, from the 314, building off of yesterday's question of nice facilities, Kansas City is seemingly getting some facelifts slash new facilities in the near future when it comes to sports venues. How long before St. Louis gets another round of facelifts or new facilities? Any talks of moving locations from downtown? Your thoughts. Uh, well, Bush Stadium's not going anywhere. Uh, that facility is pretty much brand new. Enterprise Center just got a multi, multi-million dollar makeover down there, so they're not going anywhere. Um, St. Louis City, they've got a beautiful facility that, well, this is their first year in business, so can't imagine that's going anywhere. The only thing that might happen is if, if St. Louis really wanted to make another bid for an NFL team, is you would build a stadium somewhere in West County, that area there, or somewhere in that Earth City, like where you can put a massive thing where it's kind of centrally located. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the dome downtown or a stadium downtown would work for NFL. I think you'd want to have a lot more real estate to have better parking, to pr- promote better tailgating, easier accessibility. Um, so those are my thoughts on at least the four professional sports. Yeah, Jamie nailed it. That that layout that right we have right now in the city, I think, is perfect. Mm-hmm. If you were to go to a Saturday Cardinals game, you know, most times are in the playoffs. You get to October, you got Cardinals, you got Blues, you got City. Talk about a massive weekend. St. Louis hat trick, some would say. No kidding. Well said, Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I think everything's kind of perfectly spaced out. I'm I'm with Jamie on that. I did, I mentioned this before, I did like Kansas City's layout when we went out there for kind of a, a weekend vacation before the kids went back to back to school. They had Kauffman Stadium and Arrowhead, obviously, right right there. They're right in the city. Drove past that not too long ago. Did you? Yeah. So if you go past that, and I think north is where we were, and I went out to a gas station to get, I don't know, milk for Lincoln or something like that, and I, I kind of got lost going around the little area but in that same area they had sporting kc's park and they also had the kansas motor speedway yeah and i was shocked that it was i'm like what 
I'm like, oh, that's oh, okay. That's Sporting KC's park. That looks kind of cool, nice. And I drove up a little bit. What the hell is that? Is that the park still? It was Kansas Motor Speedway. I'm like, wow, it's all right here. And it's kind of there's there's more than enough land out there. It's kind of spread out. It's away just a, a little bit away from the city, about 20 minutes from the city. And I thought that's a good feel to it. So Jamie Sport, if you want to expand even more, if if somehow the St. Louis were to get an NFL team, I don't see it happening. But if they were, and you want to go out a little bit, great. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and as far as like youth facilities mm-hmm. around town, St. Louis is crushing it. You have Centene Community yeah. Ice Center, yep. Maryville University all those Hockey fields, Center, soccer yep. fields da- down for where City SC is built. Luf use soccer. They've got. I mean, there is stuff everywhere. Baseball fields. Is it Ozzy's complex out? Out in yeah, by Car Shield, right Car- by, yeah, right that, by the Hoots, yeah, that's mm-hmm. all, that's a great <clears throat> little spot too. So yeah, well said with the facilities. Question number two: You just mentioned if St. Louis were to get a football team, what would that look like stadium-wise from the three one four? If you had to rename a St. Louis sports franchise based on what St. Louis is known for, which team would it be and what name? Perhaps we could come up with a football name. Yeah, let's just do that instead of changing. Yeah, names. good call. Because believe it or not, I actually really like the names of our franchises here. I think the Cardinals. You go anywhere in the world, almost you talk about St. Louis Cardinals. You go anywhere in the hockey world, you talk about St. Louis Blues, and, and that that is directly iconic. related to the city. Yeah, yeah. So, um, football team, Anthony. What would we call them? What what would be something like? It's always so corny to say, "Oh, the Arches." Yeah. Uh, what about the Free Zoos? The free zoos, I think, would be solid. Mm-hmm. The zookeepers. The zookeepers. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? What else is St. Louis kind of known for historically? Mississippi River. Um, the Arch, obviously. I've always been fascinated with the name Gateways, but that sounds like a youth baseball team. Yeah, that's yeah. A little minor league esque. It's a tough one. Text line, activate. Please help us. I mean, okay, so St. Louis is known for plenty, right? But when it comes to, like, naming, you know, like the state fair, it was a world state fair. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the Florida Lee, I think, would be kind of cool, but, yeah, you, but say, you got the Saints. So yeah, yeah. what are you going to do there? Um, you know, the <laughs> they got a lot of cool, cool spots of the Botanical Garden, but, again, what are you going to be? You're going to be the St. Louis... Botanical Gardens. Yeah. St. Louis Toasted Ravioli. St. Louis. <laughs> the St. Louis Brews. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> It'd be the Brewers. That, that'd be a little bit confusing, though. I'm going to the Brews game. Has that guy got a speech impediment? Yeah. Or is he, which the Brewers, <laughs> hey, pal, the Brewers ah. are in town this weekend. No, the Blues are that way. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something else. The Clydesdales. I mean, is St. Louis really known for that? I guess so. I mean, Budweiser's very known for it. And mm-hmm. obviously, Budweiser, you associate that with St. Louis immediately. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we're struggling here. Yeah. And I don't... <laughs> we're getting some funny well, ones. we have some great ones that I cannot say on the air. <laughs> some that aren't necessarily don't, don't reflect well on the city. Mm. The Rivermen. It's not terrible. Yeah, well, you got the Peoria Rivermen. Solid I team. I really like the Peoria... The Rivermen name and the logo. It's... I really like it. It's good. Mm. I, I don't know what. Uh, yeah. What about the catfish? No. Catfish. <laughs> no. 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 It's a I bottom, don't know. It's a we'll keep feeder. thinking. I don't really like. It. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> 
That's an ugly looking fish. It Bottom sure feet is. eats anything. Nah. You could have something that has to do with an airplane. Yeah, that's true. St. Louis Aviators. St. Louis Air Raid. The Air Raid would be that'd cool. be kind of cool. That'd be a Saint, good football Saint team Louis too. Air Raid. That's what I'm saying. I'm in. Jamie got it. Yes! Jamie wins. Boom! Marsh. You set it up. Jamie, you knocked it down. <laughs> Jamie just finished. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah, he did. Jamie's known for that. You get it going, I'll finish. There okay. you go. All right, the St. Louis Air Raid. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Question number three. <laughs> all the fans could bring those, uh, the the uh, bullhorns in. Or not the bullhorns. What are they the called? Air, horn. air horns. Thank <laughs> you. It wouldn't be very annoying at all. No. Uh, We'd be hated. It'd be perfect. But, uh, from the 618, do y'all prefer OBP over home run hitters or vice versa? OBP over home run hitters? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm kind of going to take the, the cop out here. You need both. That's cop out. It is, but you need if you want to be a complete offense, which I think the Cardinals are, are building towards being a complete offense. You need guys that are going to be on. You got you got to get guys that are on, uh, getting on base consistently. You need to have that power. I know that everybody's tired of the home, the home run conversation and the launch angle conversation, but you do need guys to drive the ball out of the yard. You have to have it, and you also need. And this is this is something that I think we as Cardinals fans can all agree with. The thing, one of the things that the Cardinals have fallen short on is having guys that think the game. Situational baseball. When when is an appropriate time to move a runner over? When do you when do you need to lay down a bunt? When yeah. when do you need to think opposite field? Yadier Molina is one of the you know high high baseball IQ. Perfect example. Somebody that whatever the situation called for when Yadi got in the box, he knew. That's what he that that's what his goal was. Situational baseball. So I don't prefer one over the other. I want both, and then I want guys that are always thinking, what does the situation call for right now? That's what I'm gonna try to deliver. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm with you on that one. Question number four. From Jamie's Vacation Speedo. Nice. Jamie, what do you, you picture the Blues fourth line looking like? Do you see Nathan Walker being a scratch player? Yeah, Nathan Walker's got his hands full this year at training camp, which is a good thing for the Blues. It sucks for Nathan Walker because he's sitting there just scrapping away trying to find a spot on this roster. I think he's an extra player. Like, if everybody's healthy and training camp was over today and you know tomorrow is the home opener here for the Blues, Nathan Walker is a healthy scratch for me. I think your fourth line is probably Torpchenko, Blay, and Sunquist. At this point, that's what I would say it would look like. And Nathan Walker doesn't – he doesn't leapfrog any of those guys, not right away. Nadub, as Randy Carricker calls him. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Question number five. From the 636, what does a successful season for Scott Perunovich look like? Well, healthy, for one thing. Playing uh, – yeah, Start if there. Get in the lineup and play 65-plus games – I think that's what a good season looks like for Scott Perunovich. I hate putting a, pun- a bunch of pressure on these young players, especially young offensive players that are trying to cut their teeth in the NHL as defensemen because it's a tough league. It, it really is, and it's going to take some time. There's going to be some some learning curve to this whole process. There's going to be moments where he looks fantastic. There's going to be moments where 
it's going to feel like he's not ready. Um, so for me, Scott Perunovich, having not been healthy at all in the first three seasons of his career, him playing 65-plus games is victory for me. Question number six. Final question here from the 618. Does it make more sense next year to keep Matthew Libertor as a pen hand or keep fantasizing over him as a starter? I said this yesterday. I actually said this in the offseason. We joked about it with Greg Amzinger, with uh, Greg Amzinger cut. You know, I had mentioned it, and then I think Greg had said it on the opening drive. He's an avid listener. I would have moved. I I would have kept Matthew Libertor in the bullpen. I think that he he is he is a bullpen bullpen arm. I understand at 24 years old, the Cardinals might not might not be ready to make that sort of declaration. I view Matthew Libertor though as a as a reliever. And I think he can have a fine career as a reliever. And now you gave a Randy Rosarina for that. Would that you know would would that mean that you lost the trade? Yeah, but you're losing the trade anyways. I'd rather have Matthew Libertor be something for you than he keeps bouncing back and forth between Memphis and and the Cardinals at some as the texture mentioned, some fantasy idea that he's going to be uh, number two or number three starter for you. So that's where I'm at. I think I think he's a lefty out of the pen next year. It's Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. He found a little nugget relating to the Cardinals that was kind of interesting, but how much can we take out of it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So Andrew Marsh stumbled upon this statistic for us before the show today, and it was very interesting, but I think the overall question is how how relevant is it when it comes to the Cardinals? So Marsh, throw, throw it out there, because it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, so I came across this on Twitter earlier today, and it, it is interesting. It's it's the Basically, it's Major League Baseball if all the one-run games were were flipped. And the Cardinals would be in second place right now with 75 wins. They'd be behind the Cubs, and they would be in a wild-card spot right now if they were to win these one-score games. So I think we have to look at that and say, how did we get here? How come the Cardinals aren't winning these one-score games? And I think it comes down to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And how? why is the bullpen worse than it was last year? It comes right back to the starters. It's all about starting pitching. It's all about the bullpen. You could also look at it and say, well, maybe some of the uh, the players, you know, you look at the offense late in games. Maybe they're not they're not coming up clutch, right? Sure. Lisa always talks about we need more clutch players. We need more clutch players. It could be that as well. But I think ultimately it comes down to the bullpen blowing games, and they are right up there at the top of the league with blown blown leads. And yeah. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. It kind of reminds me, Marsh, of the kinetic chain. When you listen to athletes talk about how one injury can start to in, one injury in one spot on the body can start to impact another spot in the body. So if you know you got a you got kind of a, a bad knee because of an injury, you start to favor the other side, mm-hmm. and it throws off your body balance, and all of a sudden maybe you're dealing with a, a, a lower back injury now and then a shoulder injury and then a neck injury and it's just kind of one thing after another but it all kind of started with the knee I do think to your point about the starting rotation it kind of started with the starting rotation in April it started there that was the original injury to me 
your starters were not going deep into games for whatever reason, injuries, poor performance, and or. And then the next thing that got impacted was the bullpen. So the bullpen starts to fracture because they're being used in the fourth inning or fifth inning of games, and they wear down in April, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you can't rely on some of those guys maybe in May. And then the starting pitching started to get a little bit better. But because you didn't fix the the one problem, now you got another issue. And then when you get into one-score games, I wouldn't excuse the offense either. Mm-hmm. I realize that some of those one-score one games are 11-10 losses or 8-7 to 7 losses. You, win, you, you, you score five or six runs, you got to win those games. 100%. Forget the eight-run games, the 10-run games. If you, if you score five or six runs in a game, your run prevention, starting pitching, bullpen, and defense have got to keep you to, to five or less mm-hmm. in those moments. However, how many times did the offense not extend the lead when they had an opportunity? Right. Leaving runners in scoring position. We like to use that stat a lot. So I'm not going to excuse the offense when you talk about this statistic. That is very inter- interesting, but essentially it doesn't matter because they didn't, they didn't win those games. We saw last night just how important those extra runs and late in games end up being you look at last Great night's point. game I mean the Orioles were uh, a few feet away from making it a 5-4 game it could have been a two-run homer late late in the game and you're you're like okay thank thank goodness they they tacked on a few extra runs to try and get Wayne a win number 199 it's 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 stuff like that little things that maybe necessarily don't show up on the on the box score that end up winning you games and I don't think the Cardinals have done enough of that this year from an offensive side it does lead me to believe that next year will be different without kind of diving into who's what pitchers are they going to get, mm-hmm. what, how, what's the development going to be for Jordan Walker and for Mason Wynn. Like, let's just let's just look at a a regression to the mean. We talked about this yesterday with your Vikings. I was just about to bring that up. A lot of people push back at me when I say, "Well, the Vikings won a lot of one possession games last year." A lot of people are like, "Well, yeah, they won. They won. Those games count." I know. I get that. But if you play in a lot of one-possession games mm-hmm. in the NFL and you win the majority of them, which the Vikings did, there tends to be a regression to the mean the following year when you play in one-possession games. Why is that? I don't know. Act of the football gods even, evening things out. I, I'm not sure. But when you look at it from the Cardinals' perspective, you, know, you play a lot of one-run games or one-possession games when it comes to football – you should be about 50-50 in those games. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the ball bounces your way. Other times you get bad breaks. But throughout the course of a season, whether it's 18 game or 17 games in the NFL or 162 in baseball, it tends to even out. But that has not been the case for the Cardinals this year. They've lost the majority of those run run one-run games. So maybe from that standpoint, historical standpoint, things would be a little bit better in 2024. I was just about to ask, you said there could be a regression. Could it go the opposite direction? Mm-hmm. And is that just based on luck, or do you have to have the right personnel in place in order to get, do so? It starts with the personnel. That's the thing that's tangible. You have just because ah, you won, you should win more of those one run games next year. Now you got to put in the work in the off season. You, it's almost it's almost like you know when you, you've got you, you had a couple of bad days, a couple of unlucky days. Well, if you're doing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in life, you should hit a, a good stretch. You know, most people should a good stretch. Mm-hmm. You got to put in the work in the offseason if you're the Cardinals. 
You got to get you got to get these starting pitchers. You got to get three of them. You can't just say, "Well, we'll be fine with what we have." You're not. I'm interested in Zach Thompson, but I'm interested in him from a spring training standpoint, competing just just as I as I am with any of the other, these other internal options. But the front office cannot look at this year and say, ah, "Aberration, we'll be back next year" without putting in the work. But if you do put in the work and you do get some of these starting pitching, starting this this starting rotation ironed out, then next year theoretically mm-hmm. you should be better in one run games. One thing that I did find interesting. Not only the record itself, but the run differential. If you look at the Cardinals' run differential right now, it's minus 74. If you go to that graphic, it's plus 11. I mean, that's, I think that's a difference of, if my math is correct, 63 runs. You know, whether that's on the offense or the bullpen or the starters, or the starters uh, it's just an interesting thing to look at. And you look at some of the other teams around at least the National League Central, like the Brewers, who have a plus 50 run differential right now they're they're in the the minus category when it comes to differential on this graphic so mm-hmm. not only does it work for the cardinals but you look at other teams other too teams, sure. you know there's i mean there's some other teams in around baseball where the standings didn't really j- change all that much but a team that did jump out to me not only the cardinals but the yankees as well i feel like the cardinals and the yankees have been somewhat on a similar trajectory this season yep. whether it's injuries pitching the offense they sort of have a lot of similarities yeah underperforming overall Certainly. That's Andrew March and Anthony Stalter. We're going to play Prove Me Wrong. So if you have a Prove Me Wrong statement, send it in. 314-399-9646. We've had a lot of fun with this before. Some people have sent in things that Jamie and I are like, ah, I don't know if I can I can prove you wrong on that one. But we're going to try nonetheless. No matter how difficult the statement may be to prove wrong, Jamie and I will give it our best shot next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. We've done this a couple of times now. It winds up being funny, so you're going to throw out a statement. Jamie and I are going to try to prove you wrong. Sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes I can't even fake it. Yeah. It's like, ah, I can't prove you wrong. All right, Marsh. But let's try to prove them all wrong today. Okay? Jamie? Yeah, let's go, baby. Let's go. I am more than ready. Let's get the competition. The the competition juice is fired up here. Competitive juice is fired up. Thank you. Here we go, gentlemen. From the 818, prove me wrong. Jack Flaherty. Would have been better off taking an extension with the Cardinals. Had one been offered to him, certainly. But he didn't have that option. I don't know where this came about, this narrative came about, that Jack Flaherty turned down a contract extension. He he was never offered a contract extension. He wanted to go the route of arbitration, year by year. He figured he'd pitch well. He'd bank in arbitration. He'd keep getting raises. He'd keep rejecting whatever the Cardinals' offer was. He he was pushing back on Major League Baseball's arbitration process. I don't think he's wrong by that. But when it comes to like a contract extension, one was never offered to him. Yeah. So there's nothing. There was nothing to sign. There's nothing to take. Yeah. Otherwise, I think Jack may have thought about it a little bit especially after the last couple of years he's had here not not great he may have entertained a 
contract extension, but one was never there. Have the, had the Cardinals offered him like a five-year, $85 million contract or something, or a five-year, $55 million, or $65 million, whatever it is, and he said no, then I think we could have the conversation, but yeah. that was never the case. From Tasty Burger STL, prove me wrong. It's better to be a quarterback under 6'2 than a quarterback over 6'6. Uh, Anthony, I'll defer. Okay, I feel like so, uh, if you're over 6'6 six, six, you're, and you're playing in the NFL, you're, you're probably pretty athletic. 6'6? Six, like, six. like, I don't picture a giraffe running around out there. Isn't Trevor Lawrence 6'6? Six, six? Yes. A lot of these guys are 6'4, 6'5, 6'6. So the 6'6 six, six doesn't scare me at all. Under 6'2? Let me, let me do this. One better you. Number of quarterbacks in the NFL that are 6'6 six, six and above. Compare them to 6'2 and below and see what you have as far as who's better. Ooh. Um, I think it'd be a little closer than you think. So Aaron Rodgers is 6'2. I know that. Most of them, as, as you mentioned, most of them are 6'4. Yeah. Stafford is 6'3. Uh, your boy Kirky Cousins is 6'3. That's surprising. Trevor Lawrence officially is 6'6. Josh Allen is six five. I would. Uh, Jamie's right. Here's here's the thing about the shorter quarterback. Here's the big knock. Six two is fine. You get below that, you start to have issues. Obviously, you have guys like Drew Brees, and I don't think two is that big. Is he? He is. Uh, he's six one. You can't see. Mm-hmm. That was Baker. That's been Baker's biggest problem. It's been Baker's biggest problem since Oklahoma. He had some of those mutants along that offensive line in Oklahoma. And he used to go back to the huddle, and receivers would be like, hey, did you see me? You know, I was open or whatever, and Baker would say, I, I couldn't see you. And unlike Drew Brees, who did a, an, a remarkable job of, if you watch him, he, he would stand on his tippy toes, and he'd look for open passing lanes. But not, a, not all the short guys do. A lot of short guys bail out of the Roll pocket. Out, yeah. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson would do it all the time. And Russell Wilson's like the greatest backyard quarterback known to man early on. Doug but now. Foody. Doug Flutie, but now, yeah, no kidding. But now that his athleticism is is, you know, going away as mm-hmm. he gets older, you see that he is not a pure pocket passer. If you're six 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 five, you could stand in the pocket, you could see you could see the entire field, and you don't limit what you could do within the offense. So, I would say being six six would be better. From the three one four. Prove me wrong. Craig Berube has a coaching style that brings drastic short-term success, hard and heavy forecheck, but his coaching style is not sustainable to match the future of the league, speed and transitions. Okay, well, first of all, that's that's your opinion of what Craig Berube's coaching style is. And again, I think what we do is we default to uh, the YouTube clips of Chief playing and him playing over a 1,000 games being a fighter in the NHL. So we look at that and say, well, this guy, all he likes is fighting and guys that hit everything that moves and play dirty, and that's it. That's all That's all Craig Berube likes. That's all he could coach. Really? Because you go back to the Stanley Cup championship team, you had some guys with some size, but you had Ryan O'Reilly, who doesn't hit anybody. You had Vladimir Tarasenko, who's not physical. You had David Perron who plays a physical style with the puck, but he's not physical. Mm-hmm. You had Robert Thomas. You had Tyler Bozak. These guys weren't physical. There's no intimidation from those guys. Right. In fact, the knock against the Blues that year would be like, they didn't have a fighter. 
Oh, the guy that had to fight every friggin' time was Braden Shen. So, I, I'm not... You had some big bodies. Pat Maroon was a big body. But it's not the style of just running people over. He had... They were first in the league the next year as well, before the bubble happened. Craig Berube promotes playing the game fast. Compete, play the game fast. And we've I've defined, you know, define playing the game fast. It doesn't necessarily mean skating ability. It means moving the puck quickly to a guy who's open to advance the puck up the ice to where you want to go. So it puts a lot of stress on each player to make sure that they're competing hard to get open, and it puts a lot of emphasis on the player with the puck to move the puck quickly. Playing the game fast. I In that sentence, I don't hear smash the guy's brains out. <laughs> we want to be, nice, be a heavy four-check team. Define heavy. It means getting in on the puck quickly. That's all it means. It's not, it's not the physical term of being a big monster out there crushing people. You do have a couple of guys who they should be doing that. Torpchenko, Sammy Blay, Oscar Sundquist, Braden Shen. Yeah, get in there. Go hunting. Okay? But other guys, Ryan O'Reilly, one of the best four checkers you had. Again, never hit anybody, ever. So I have to push back on that. Craig Berube promotes a very fast brand of hockey with compete-first mentality. I think when we do think of a four check, we think of getting in there, like you said, and just running through running someone through the wall when it really does come down to getting in there quickly and basically angling the guy off and, and taking away that time and space Your like you said exactly like ryan o'reilly he would strip you of the puck but mm-hmm. i don't remember any time like ever ryan o'reilly hitting anybody that was just never his game but he'd get in there and he would basically lift the guy's stick take the puck take it to the net and hope someone was there in front to to either pass it to shot and get a rebound and put it in the back of the net so, uh, one more here from the three one four. Prove me wrong. Since putting together a bullpen is easier and cheaper, the card should put a sledgehammer approach towards fixing the bullpen. Uh, no, because it's 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 volatile for every team every single year. We've talked about this. When it comes to the bullpen, try try to predict any bullpen. Go back and look some look at some of the predictions before before the start of the season of any season. Best bullpens and see how accurate they are. Their their bullpens are harder to predict than starting pitching. If you go with the bull, I understand the idea of it. Like the notion is, boy, if you have a great pen, you can overcome some things. Not if you should. We saw this. Not if your starters are only going three and four innings. And then all of a sudden you get one guy that gets Ryan Helsley got hurt this year. Jordan Hicks spent a little bit of time on the IL. Giovanni Gallegos had kind of an up and down year. Andre Pallante was one of the most reliable relievers last year for the Cardinals. Now, I'd argue, is one of the one of the least reliable guys. You signed Homer Hagen a year ago, thinking that he could be in this in the mix to be a fifth starter, at the very least a, a competent bullpen piece. He hasn't been good. I think I think guys are harder to I think relievers are harder to predict. Now, closers, it's a little bit different of a story. Maybe you are on the cusp like the Cubs were in 2016 and they made the trade for Aldis Chapman, a proven guy that can come in and close in the ninth, that's a little bit different. But when it comes to the bullpen as a whole, nah. As a whole, Jamie, not Thank great. You. Yeah. Gauntlet next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN 403. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, and Anthony Salter. And we welcome in Brian to the gauntlet. What's up, Brian? Hey, how you doing, sir? Doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Uh, Brian, is this your first time in the gauntlet? It, it is. Okay. Well, welcome first in. Welcome to the gauntlet. Welcome in. Would you like to take on me, Jamie Rivers, or Andrew Marsh today? Well, if the law of averages... Uh follow suit and i want my hockey i'm gonna have to uh take you on because i feel every time you're on you get hockey yeah well well done there brian wow. okay <laughs> that's brian smart he, he gets, gets it, it. <laughs> yep Boom. all right brian good luck thank you sir all right anthony get the heck out of here anthony's gonna head into the cone of silence brian what i need you to do right now tell marshy to spin that wheel hey marshy give that wheel a tug for me well said. All right, Brian, what are you hoping for? Hockey? Yeah, I figured out hockey. We'll go against Mr. Mr. Stalter. I know that's his favorite category. Okay, and what category would you not want to get today? Well, me and the NFL fell out of love a few years back, so I'm uh, not so good at football anymore. Well, I got some bad news for you. It's well, football. Well, this could be a short... This could be a short-lived gauntlet then. Yeah, maybe. You never know. You said you fell out of love with football a couple of years ago, but there might be some older questions. Might be right in your wheelhouse, buddy. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. So each question's worth two points. If you use the options, you only get one point. Of course, if you get the answer wrong, you get no points. You ready to go, Brian? I am, sir. All right. Again, the, the category is football. Question number one. Who was the last New England Patriot to reach 1,000 receiving yards in a single season? Options, please. Yes. Was it Julian Edelman, Brandon Cooks, or Rob Gronkowski? Let's go, Edelman. Final answer. Thank you. Question number two. Who was the last quarterback to defeat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Well, was that Eli? Oh, gosh. Uh, I got to tell how many of the options again. Eli Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Nick Foles. Ooh. Ooh. Golly gee. I'm going to go with Eli. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Brian, question three. Who drafted Tim Tebow in the first round of the 2010 NFL Draft. Wasn't that the Denver Broncos? Final answer. <laughs> okay. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll go with it. All right, question number four. Who was Illinois' quarterback when they played in the 2008 Rose Bowl? Oh, gosh, even... College football is worse than NFL. Options. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna butcher this name, but Nathan Schielhaas, Juice Williams, or Wes Lunt. I'm kind of thirsty, so let's go with some Juice Williams. Final answer. Final answer. 
All right, Brian, let's get Anthony back in here. Oh, he ought to love this. His favorite topic, too. Yeah, th- some of these are tough, though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you I ain't like, wrong. I like football, too, and I was looking at these going, oh, boy, head scratchers. <laughs> All right, Anthony is making his way back in here. Uh, Anthony, uh, Kona Silence, how was it today? Outstanding. I yeah. noticed that Jackson didn't give you the seat. Action Jackson said, you know what? You're going to stand for this, and you're going to like it. Wow. Oh. Yeah, you know you know, Action Jackson. He's nice on air. Comes across yeah. nice on air, but guys of the ultimate villain yeah. around these parts. Well, he did give you a Capri Sun earlier today, so maybe he thought, you <laughs> know what? Capri I did something sun. for you. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and, and take your chair. He gave, me, still, he gave us a warm Capri Sun. Still more respectful to let your elders <laughs> sit down. I am a warm beer. Technically, yeah, that's true, Brian. <laughs> technically, I am a, an elder there to him. All right, what do we got? Well, pack a lunch, Anthony. Hey, okay. Okay. Category is football. I haven't had foosball in a while. I know. I know. Don't screw it up. Okay. All right. Question one. Who was the last New England Patriot to reach a thousand receiving yards in a single season? Last Patriot to receive. Uh, last Patriot receiver. You said. The last Patriot to reach a thousand. Okay. Receiving yards. That could include our guy Gronk. Uh, Gronk would have done so after Randy Moss, so we're going to eliminate Randy Moss. Brandon Cooks was there. Brandon Cooks had a decent, decent year. I'm going to narrow this down. Can I get the options, please? Yeah. Was it Julian Edelman, Brandon Cooks, or Rob Gronkowski? Edelman, Cooks, or Gronk? Uh, I'm going to go with Gronk. I have a feeling about Cooks, but I'm going to go Gronk. I thought of Gronk initially. I'm going to go Gronk. Final answer. Question number two. Who was the last quarterback to defeat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? The last QB to defeat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Well, we know Matt Ryan didn't. Nope. (laughs) We also know Jared Goff didn't. And I believe that was, was that the last time that Brady was in the suit? No. Yes. No, he beat Mahomes with the Bucks. It's gotta be, it's gotta be Nick Foles. Nick Foles, final answer. All right, Anthony, question three. Who drafted Tim Tebow in the first round of the 2010 NFL draft? Josh McDaniels, who's the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Final answer. Question number four. Who was Illinois' quarterback when they played in the 2008 Rose Bowl? 2008 Rose Bowl. (laughs) Um, It had to be Juice Williams. I don't know. uh, Yeah, Juice Williams, final answer. That was right around his time. Alrighty. Let's go over this. Okay. Let's start with question number one. Who was the last New England Patriot to reach a thousand receiving yards in a single season? Brian, 
You took the options, said Julian Edelman. Anthony, you took the options, said Rob Gronkowski. The answer is... Julian Edelman. Yeah. Good job, Brian. Yes. One, one nothing, Brian. Blind, Brian's blind, little blind squirrel found a nut. There, there you go. Question number three. Who drafted Tim Tebow in the first round of the 2010 NFL Draft? Brian, you said the Broncos. Anthony, you said the Broncos. Answer is... The Denver Broncos. But neither of you needed the <laughs> options. Hey. 3-2, Brian, after two. Question number four. Who was, Il- who was Illinois quarterback... Who was the Illinois quarterback when they played in the 20... 2008 Rose Bowl. I'll get this right. <laughs> Brian, you said Juice Williams. Oh, wow. Anthony, you said Juice Williams. Answer is... Juice Williams. But Brian but. needed the option. Okay, so we got ourselves a barn burner. We here. are locked up at four apiece. Heading into the game. final question. Who was the last quarterback to defeat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Brian, you said Eli Manning. Uh, Yeah. Anthony, you said Philly special, Nick Foles. Answer is... Former Ram, Nick Foles. Brian! You have chosen poorly. You lose! Not today! Anthony wins 6-4 off of Tricky Nicky. Yes. Good job. Good job, sir. Hey, thanks, Brian. Nice job, man. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. You did well. Yeah. Did yeah, well, well, for not knowing not knowing much football, I was a uh, I knew the last one at the end after I said Eli, I knew it was Foles and it just didn't I, I don't know why I went there. Sometimes yeah. hey, sometimes that happens. Nice job though, Brian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing in the gauntlet today. Absolutely. You guys have a wonderful day. You guys are awesome. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Thank man. We appreciate it. Thank you, Take Brian. Care, Brian. Have, have a good, good one. one. Absolutely. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. That's a gauntlet here on 101 ESPN. So do you get more nervous when you have your category that you're supposed to be great in? Um, I'm so bad at the other categories that, no, I'm still hoping yeah. for football. I sometimes get nervous when hockey comes up Yeah. because sometimes Grant will have questions that he knows I hate. Mm. He does it on purpose. The, that's fine. The, the stat ones are the, tough. The stat or the year a player was here, or like it's like ugh. totally, or like the top score of this one playoff round. It's right that those are the ones that get me. But uh, yeah, good yeah. job, man. At least thank you. At you least crushed it. I'm sure for you, Marsh. You do a good job too of kind of putting yourself in like where was I? The the yeah. 2008 question with Juice Williams. I remember going to an Illinois Michigan game. Right around like oh eight oh nine, and remembering it was Juice, it was Juice Williams as the QB. So you kind of put yourself in that yeah that era. But like Brian did with Eli, I did that with the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. a couple of years, a couple of uh, gauntlets ago in the football when it was it was our guy Bryce Young. Yeah, and I complete I went over him and went to Devonta Smith. I'm like, Sometimes you forget. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> someone texted in. From the 314, remember last year when Jamie forgot how wide a hockey rink was? I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that either. I know. I remember there was some sort of controversy with Jamie and like the dimensions of something. And it might have been the hockey rink. I don't think you you didn't know. Well, 
the standard NHL rink is what, 200 by 85? Yeah. So, sounds right to me. Yeah. Maybe he was referring to when you were talking about playing in Boston and back in the day. Oh, well, yeah. There are several rinks, rinks that were smaller. were different yeah. in size, and then the NHL came in and, and made everything standard. Makes sense. Yeah. Hey, you can, I don't know. Hey, you can text in right now to win a, uh, a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals and Brewers on September 19th. It's the final Bud Bash game of the season, and it features a limited edition Brendan Ryan bobblehead giveaway. So here is your trivia question today. Speaking of Brendan Ryan, who did the – so the Cardinals traded Brendan Ryan to the Mariners. Who did the Cardinals get in return for Brendan Ryan when they traded him to Seattle – I believe it was in 2010, I think they traded Brennan Ryan into the, the Mariners. Who did they get in return? What player? Text in 314-399-9646 for your chance to score those Bud Bash tickets. Get all the details for next week's Bud Bash game, final one of the year, at cardinals.com slash promotions. Jeremy Rutherford next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. All right, let's head to our sports celebrity line and talk to our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, blues reporter for The Athletic and our blues insider here on 101 ESPN. JR, how are you, man? How's uh, your doing, summer? Doing great, guys. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> good. Getting ready to <laughs> ramp up. Yeah, I saw Jamie's what Facebook post yesterday. Everything's getting ready to ramp up and be revolving around the hockey season. Yeah, it's going to be a busy one, too. I like I that. I would say so. Yeah. Hey, JR, we had this question earlier that uh, Jamie kind of laid out. What is the modern-day makeup of a Stanley Cup-winning team? We, Jamie has broken down Vegas. You have covered the league for a long time now. The current climate of the NHL, what does the modern-day makeup now look like for a Stanley Cup-winning team? Yeah, I think here in St. Louis we can go back to the 2019 team too, and you know tie it in with Jamie's Jamie's uh, look at Vegas as its defense. And you know, yeah, you're going to have the occasional team that can catch a spark and find different ways to put a Stanley Cup together. Uh, but I think by and large, you look over the years, it's going to be defense. And interestingly, even these last few years, you know, you haven't necessarily needed a name goaltender. You just need a guy playing well at the right time. Vegas had that, of course. The Blues had that with Jordan Bennington and. Uh, to me, it's defense. All right, JR, let's stick right there with the defense here for the Blues. Uh, news coming out of the Blues organization that Tory Krug has uh, a foot injury. I don't know exactly what the injury is. Maybe you can shed some light on that, but he'll be reevaluated October 1st. You know, just your first thoughts when you saw that. You know, what, what happens now for the Blues? Yeah, James, as you, as you know, uh, guys have been trickling into town as they always do. Uh, for the past couple weeks, and uh, I was told that uh, Tory Krug had been skating every day with the team uh, out at Centene, but just in the last couple days, the day the Blues made the announcement uh, that uh, he was not on the ice, and so uh, he has that right foot injury. We don't have any more details than that, but we'll get reevaluated on October 1st, and you know, like I wrote at The Athletic, and like we've been saying uh, the past couple days, I think it's a situation that's not a long-term injury. It's not one that takes you deep into the season, so I think the Blues are just fine. And I think that uh, this is going to mean some more ice time in camp, maybe a bigger role for a guy like a, a Scott Perinovich. You know, they're going to work a Tyler Tucker into the fold. Maybe he gets some more reps. And uh, Kylie Rosen, who a lot of people like, 
believe me, I get that feedback every time I write about the defense. You know, he looked like he'll be the odd man out as the ninth defenseman, but maybe at least to start the season, if Krug's not ready, he could be in the mix. Uh, Jamie, I always love talking to our guy, JR. He spits a lot of Blues knowledge for us, a lot of insight uh, into the, the inner workings of the Blues, and he's always got something going on in the background. Is that a pterodactyl behind you? It sounds like a pterodactyl. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> this is a, I'm at my daughter's high school softball game no dogs barking though this time i thought you guys would be happy with that but evidently that's not enough i gotta keep everything away you're fine jr it's just jamie and i looked at each other a couple of times with the in, in oh, the wait, background wait, that is a pterodactyl holy smokes i'm sorry there I, is one back here. i thought there might have been a pig it's not background. it's not uh it's not aliens we're gonna worry about it's good it's the dinosaurs uh, re-emerging uh jeremy well, Rutherford. The, 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 the pig's on the phone with you here oh, no no that is no, not that's where we draw the line right no. we love you man stop come on it. just Jeez. stop it unbelievable uh jeremy rutherford of the athletic here in the fast lane on 101 espn jr what's what's the not the latest with tory crew because we know what the latest is with tory crew but he's dealing with the foot injury how do you think this impacts the Blues' defensive core, at least at the start? You know, we talk about uh, the aforementioned Tucker, we talk about, you know, Perunovic, but when it comes right. to this foot injury, what do you think is the thing that we need to know, at least early on in the season? Well, I think, you know, we're going to see the pairs when they start camp on the 21st next Thursday, so we're about a week away from that. Uh, I would envision, you know, unless Jamie thinks that uh, maybe they'll go a different way, I would think that you'll still see Letty and Pareko together. I would have thought that you'd see. Krug and Falk together. Maybe now you see Petrangelo slip into that second pair. Or not Petrangelo. I wish. <laughs> yeah, you wish it was uh, Petrangelo. <laughs> He'd probably be on the right side, though. Yeah. <laughs> little, little Freudian slip there, but uh, Perenovich being the middle pair with uh, with a Justin Falk. And then at third, you're going to look at the Bortuzos and the Scandellas, and, and I mentioned Callie Rose and Tyler Tucker. So we'll get a good look at uh, the pairs coming up soon, but you know, big picture with Tory Krug, you know, let's just say that he comes back uh, right about the middle of October, third week of October. Uh, you know, if that's the evaluation point is the October 1st date, but, you know, it could take a couple more weeks beyond that. So you got a situation where, you know, what's the future with Tory Krug? If Perinovich is playing well in that second pair, does Tory Krug automatically step in? You know, I don't know that that'd be the case. So it'll be really interesting when we do see Tory Krug back in that lineup. And now, as you guys can probably hear, there is a lot of <laughs> pterodactyl here in the back. <laughs> How's she doing? She playing well? <laughs> We're just here in the first inning. Uh, looked like she dropped one at second, right when I was coming on the air. So, uh, pardon me if I have a hiccup here after yelling at her about that one. Oh no, she'll be fine. She'll <laughs> rebound. Jr. We talking quickly here about Scott Perunovich. Let's continue that. And, and you know what? In your opinion, what do the Blues need to see from Scott Perunovich? Because I'm not, I'm not of the camp of like he's ready to take over for Krug, but you know there are certain things he has to accomplish here. What are some of those things that you'd like to see out of him in camp and certainly through preseason? He does, and James, I'm going to assume that he's going to look the way he looked uh, in, on the power play, especially in that Colorado series. You know, he looked terrific when he came in in that series, uh, but the five on five plays got to be better and i'll go to the injury that happened in that preseason game against chicago uh last year and that's what caused him to miss the entire season because he had the shoulder injury and followed up with uh, surgery is he's got to put himself in good positions or he's going to wind up back on that injury list and you know as well as anybody you know there's an art to put yourself in the right position to make plays and not be susceptible to injuries so you can look at the other two injuries that Perinovich had and, and they were 
kind of flukish, but that last one he admitted he put him in a bad spot, he gets hit behind the boards, and it shatters the bone, and he's done for the year. So to me, uh, in order for him to play well, that's what he's going to have to do with that. Being a smaller guy, put yourself in good positions and make the plays that we saw in college. I realize it's a completely different level, but he's capable of it. He just needs to figure out a way how to do that. All right, JR, go enjoy your daughter's softball game, okay? Have fun. Yep, we'll do it, guys. Thanks a lot, thanks. and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks for carving out some time. That's Jeremy Rutherford, yeah. at JP Rutherford on Twitter. Want to give him a follow? Well, you probably already follow him. Jerry's the best. Uh, and hopefully his daughter rebounds and smacks a home run later. That'd be great. I'm sure she will. Yep. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, Fastlane on 101 ESPN. With certain Cardinals players, are the Cardinals the Cardinals version of fluid or the Fastlane's version of fluid? You know what I mean. That snacks on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. this conversation last year in the fast lane or the year prior jamie but brad our guy bt who was still still on the show at the time full time brad said well you know um after i asked him to describe the cardinals i think it was the starting rotation at the time brad said well i would say it's fluid and i responded with that wasn't the f word i was thinking of Mm. so let's play are these Cardinals players Cardinals fluid? Which means, ah, it's a fluid situation. It's a, it's a Think of Mull. Like, ah, it's a fluid situation. It'll be fine. Just be patient. You know, be patient. Or is it fast lane fluid? And you know what that means. Go ahead, Marsh. Nolan <laughs> Gorman is injured once again, and he has been injured a few times this season. So Nolan Gorman's recurring injuries. Is it Cardinals fluid? Or is it fast lane fluid? Uh, Cardinals fluid for me. If this was his back again, I'd say it's fast lane fluid. But it tweaked a hammy. It can happen. Trust me, it happens to some of the best of us, Anthony. Uh, some of the best of us in this studio have tweaked hammies not so long ago. Yeah, mm. Jamie, you your playing days have been over for, for a little while. Yeah. How did you injure your hamstring? Well, uh, a lot of drinking at the Lake of the Ozarks, and we played these beer Olympics, mm. and you spin this thing, and whoever it lands on has yeah, you spin to, the bottle. No, it wasn't a bottle. And you have to run away before the other guy throws an egg off the back of your head. And uh, I tore out of there a few times, and the dock was pretty wet. Mm. And uh, had a little bit of a slip and a hammy that felt like, honestly, it felt like an alligator jumped up and bit me in the back of the leg. <laughs> it was terrible. Damn alligator. <laughs> Damn alligator ripped jumped my leg up. off. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to this. I'd say uh, this is Cardinals fluid. I think it's Cardinals fluid too, and and it's probably because I just I I I love Nolan Gorman. I want him to be a main part of this offense. In fact, I want him to play damn near every day moving forward. Righty lefty doesn't matter. I think he's a full time player, but I still think that, like Jamie said, yeah, you've got some nagging injuries here. I also wonder 
if they're just playing at Costas because they've been out of it since April. Oh, well before that. I thought I was being snarky, but Jamie won up me. (laughs) (laughs) Sources say that Jamie only made it four spins when running in... Getting bitten by the alligator. Oh, yeah, it was about four. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. No, it was about four. A bunch of college the, kids, too. He was on the Aaron Rodgers timetable. Mm. Seriously, these college kids burning left and right. And they got the dock all wet. You had to show them. I did. Blow out a hammy. Then you showed them what it's like to get old. Thank you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> no, it was. I'm being genuine. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Oh. Were you? Yeah, until you knocked me down again. <laughs> oh, I knocked you down? Always. Yeah. It's nonstop. Well, Jamie, I'm sorry. No, you're not. And Don't I don't feel care to hear the rest of it either. Ah! All right, guys. Miles Michaelis. He's been struggle- struggling a little bit lately. Miles Michaelis and his 2023 numbers. Cardinals fluid or fast lane fluid? What do you think, Jamie? Oh, Moose there himself. There, he's fast lane fluid. Wow. wow. That yeah. means the team is, too, heading into the wow. next season. Well, what, what are you seeing that reassures you that things are awesome right now? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that things are awesome? No, nothing. Not awesome, but it, it, yeah. there's nothing to even be positive about. Strikeout rates down. Walk rates up uh, slightly. Yep. ERA. Uh, ERA is four seven five. Not great. The FIP is only four three two. Innings pitch is a problem too. Yep. As of right now, I think it's fast lane fluid too. He has had such a weird year. You know, he had the horrible April bounce back in May. We've gone over this, but lately, there's nothing about his game that has been encouraging. Like he doesn't have to be a. He's not a high strikeout guy as as it is, but his career. Average is six point five two. He's five point nine two right now, and it's probably has it has a lot to do with what Jamie just brought up. He's not pitching a lot, he's not pitching deep into games. He had two hundred and two innings last year. He's got one seventy six and a third now. You know, maybe when it's all said and done, he'll kind of be around that same range. But it just doesn't look good. So I'm going to say fast lane fluid right now. Guys, we know the Cardinals have a ton of outfielders, and sometimes they can be injured. Other times, you have infielders in the outfield. Having too many outfielders, is that Cardinals fluid or fast lane fluid? Fast lane fluid. When you have seven outfielders, you don't have three. At least three good ones. When you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Mm. You know? Ask Mizzou. Another ricochet. Another ricochet there for Eli. Eli just buckled. He has no idea Again, why his other left one. knee it's just like my other buckled. One. <laughs> you got seven outfielders, including some that are infielders. I don't like it. I don't like the matchup thing. I don't think the Cardinals should be playing the matchups as much as the other teams are doing. Some of these other teams have journeymen or guys that are just flat-out platoon hitters. You look at the Giants roster, it's all full of platoon hitters. You... You play the matchups. Go for it. You know who you are. The Cardinals, I think this has impacted their defense. I think this has impacted guys getting into a rhythm. I think this has impacted the way Ali is managed. I don't think they should be playing the matchups. And when you have 42 outfielders, half of them being infielders, I don't like it, Jamie. They're fast lane fluid with this outfield situation. I would agree. Fast lane fluid. To me, you've got two guys truly that you're confident in right now. 
And one is Lars Nupar. Tommy Edmond, I mean, he's a floating outfielder slash infielder. Or your best center fielder. Who, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, what? And then Jordan Walker, like, he's had a very nice offensive season, but it's still stress level 99 every time a ball's hit to him. Yeah, work in progress. It used to be 100. Yeah, so he's improving. I'm trying to be positive around here. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, last one, guys. We've seen the young starters, the internal options, pitch, you know, the past couple of months, now that the Cardinals are pretty much out of the playoff picture, and they have been for quite some time. But uh, the young starters, other than maybe Zach Thompson, not showing all that much, is that Cardinals fluid or is it fast lane fluid? 100% fast lane <laughs> fluid. <laughs> no questions asked. I could kind of go one, you know, I, the, having too many outfielders, I could go one way or another. Even Michaelis, like, okay, I didn't have a good year. I can kind of go back. This one, 100% fast lane fluid. We need to see it at some point. We can't just, well, you know, you got some pitching. You got some young pitching. Now. We need to see it. We need to see a Spencer Strider-esque performance on one of these guys. Mm. He came up last year as a rookie. Dominant. There's no question. We got too many questions with, with the Cardinals. Well, uh, what's Tyler O'Neill? What's Harrison Bader? What's what's Dylan Carlson? Why do you do it in that voice? Because it's the Mo voice. Okay. Well, we don't want to get in trouble again. We're already, for, we're no, we're already in trouble already with YouTube. taken off YouTube. Yeah. So. yeah. By the way, we and have my a, Belichick is way better than my Mo. Th- that is true. We have a lot of people that still text in uh, about YouTube. We want to give them an update. Yeah, the update is they're still (laughs) barring us because I did the Bill Belichick impersonation, and Belichick didn't like it. (laughs) There's a few other things, too. (laughs) I don't think it had anything to do with the Belichick thing, but... We think it did. We're running with it anyways. Yeah. Commit to the bit. No, this is, fa- this is a fast lane fluid situation, oh, It's Jamie. 100% fast lane fluid. Until Tim Kentz or Michael McGreevy or whoever comes up here and is just Spencer Strider filthy, w- this is going to be a question mark from here on out. You know, what t- you know what this year did, guys? It eliminated the benefit of the doubt with the Cardinals. No more benefit of the doubt. We either see it or we don't. Tell them, Jamie. What state is this? Oh, it's a show-me state. Darn Anthony. right it is. It's a show-me state, Marsh. You're showing me mm. or you're not. It's that simple. It's why they named the state that. Mm. Now, they didn't name it, but you get what I mean. Okay? Anthony, I don't want to see that. Well, you're going to see it. Day after day after day. <laughs> <laughs> College football nugget of truth or overreaction. We're going to play that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Congratulations to James from Belleville, who won the four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Bud Bash game for Cardinals and Brewers. We asked the question, which player did Brendan Ryan net for the Cardinals when he was traded to the Seattle Mariners? And the correct answer was Michael Clado. If you remember him, the pitcher, Michael Clado, was acquired from the Mariners, goes to the Cardinals in that December 12, 2010 deal. Clado was activated on June 2nd, 2011, the same day Lance Lynn was also called up direct, directly from uh, AA. 
but was placed on waivers in 2013, wound up with the, the Royals. So he's with the Cardinals for a couple of years, but that's who they got in exchange for Brendan Ryan. So James from Belleville is going to go to the game next week. Congratulations. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Nugget of Truth or Overreaction, boys. College football. You guys ready? Sure. Okay. You sound fired up. I am. After two lackluster performances, Jamie. Okay. Mizzou is on the verge of putting it to get, putting together its best overall game and a game plan versus Kansas State on Saturday. So essentially, they're going to look competent, and they're going to look good, and they're going to have a chance to win this game. Oh, that's an overreaction. Yeah, they're going to get absolutely dummied by Kansas State. Wow. I don't want that to happen. I want to be wrong. That team shows that, that two games that have happened. Yes, they've won. Like you get the Mizzou faithful. They at least they played bad and they won. Great. You didn't really play anybody for that matter, and you barely won. I think Kansas State takes them out behind the woodshed and just has their way. Like a forty-two to twelve final or something like that. Maybe not that bad. Forty-two to thirteen final. Yeah. 35 14 wow I'm sorry I want to I want to be wrong so make you know hey drink make me eat my own words over here I'm gonna say nugget of truth I don't think they've really played that great in the first two games to begin with so they can really only go up from here I think after last week it was kind of a slap in the face to the players and to the coaching staff that they need to get their you-know-what together. I think they will. I do believe they'll lose. But I think at the end of the day, they will see that what they did do was still not good enough to beat a Kansas State team. And they need to reevaluate what they need to do going forward. I still think they'll play better but I don't think it will be good enough to beat Kansas State. I don't think they win, but I'm going to go with a nugget of truth in that this is this is their best game. I'm I'm a fan of the defense. As much as we have crushed the offense, and I know the first two games weren't from a competition standpoint, you know, on par with what uh, it's hard to evaluate, but the defense I think is aggressive and the one way to beat Kansas State is you need to you need to consistently get into their backfields, shut them down that way. And I think Mizzou's capable of that. What Mizzou is incapable of doing is running the football with any sort of consistency, at least to this level. They were good against South Dakota. They weren't good against Middle Tennessee State. Kansas State is one of the best rush defenses in the nation. So Mizzou's not going to be able to run the ball. I think it's going to be a lot of short passes like, we, like we've like we seen. It's going to lead to a maybe a, a lower scoring game, and Mizzou's going to be in it in the fourth quarter, but ultimately they're going to fall. They do not have the horses up front on the offensive line to get it done. So. I'm going to take Kansas State to win, but I do think Mizzou keeps it somewhat close. Nugget of truth or overreaction, Colorado is the number one storyline in college football by leaps and bounds. That's nugget of truth. I mean, the moment Dion took over and started the transfer portal there, just everybody and anybody gone, a complete new program, literally overnight, declaring his son the starting quarterback before he'd even taken a snap yet, right away. Everybody was curious as to what this Colorado team was going to look like. And now they come up with the big upset victory in week one. They followed up with a not-so-fantastic victory, but nonetheless, a victory over Nebraska. Still boat race them. They, they did, but it took them a while to get there. Sure. Um, so they're 2-0. and They were terrible last year. That, that 
I can't imagine there's one person talking college football that is not talking about Colorado. They have two. They have, they have already exceeded their win total from a year ago, and they played two games. I'm going to say nugget of truth. I think it's pretty easy, like Jamie said. Everyone just keeps talking about Colorado. I think this year in general has been so far kind of boring. It's been a, it's been kind of a boring like Texas just went into Tuscaloosa and no, upset yeah, Alabama. I understand that. Upsets I understand happening that. all over the place. I'm just saying like drama, drama filled. Like I don't know. It's just I'm waiting for it to really get going. You know, some of the matchups haven't been all that great. Usually you're hoping for not one good matchup, but maybe two or three a week. Last week we had Texas Alabama for sure, and that was a big storyline. You know, heading forward is what can Alabama do the rest of the year. I still think it's Colorado, but for me, I just I don't know. There's there, there haven't been a ton of games consistently week by week that have really caught my eye. That's just like one or two, like just one per week. Marsh hasn't liked it. Oh, two yeah. weeks in, Marsh is disgusting. I, I have a completely different opinion of it because usually every week or at the start of every season for college football first or second weekend it's just bloodbath after bloodbath yeah and there's no real competition there's no real upsets like you've got to wait for a number of weeks into the season before you get a game with relevance mm-hmm. so for me having alabama lose having colorado go 2-0 that's been an but that's it like that's it i want more this is this is a <laughs> This is a whole bucket of truth here with Colorado being the number one storyline in college football. I, you know, one of the reasons that I really like Colorado, and I, and it has taken me a little bit of time to kind of get to this point, but I was thinking about this today. One of the reasons why I love Colorado right now and Dion is that I feel like they're making the rest of college football very uncomfortable. Like college football has this almost this air of supremacy to it. You know, you're talking about like the SEC, and we'll get to them in a second, but. I feel like Dion is ticking off a lot of a lot of head coaches around around the nation, and they don't like the way that he had went in there and he, he replaced eighty two kids and he told he told them you know flat out hit the transfer portal because you're not you're not going to be good enough and he's been flamboyant and he's been confident and he's got swagger and he's holding the receipts and all that. I think he's making the rest of college football kind of uneasy and I like that because college football needs to be shaken up a little bit here it has been the Nick Saban show which I appreciate I appreciate because Nick Saban uh, that what what he's done at Alabama has been absolutely remarkable you had Clemson there for a while under Dabo Sweeney that's gone a little gone away Jim Harbaugh in Michigan we're waiting for them even though they beat them the last two years we're waiting for them to lose Ohio State and just kind of Michigan all over the place this time it's TCU that got him We've needed a shakeup here. We've been waiting for Texas and waiting for USC and waiting for the others, these other blue bloods to sneak up in the top four and really rattle the cages of the SEC. It hasn't happened. I don't think Colorado makes the playoffs this year, but he, we're paying attention to Colorado football, and I think that's that's good for the sport. Uh, going back off what I said, do you think that Colorado is just stealing all of the headlines? And you said making college football uncomfortable. Are they almost making other schools irrelevant not irrelevant all the way but to the point where we're not talking about Jim Harbaugh missing four games who cares about that we want right. to we want to talk about Deion Sanders like we want to focus on them we want to focus on who they're playing next if Colorado State coming up I'm probably going to watch that game even though I don't care about Colorado State right because I want to see what they look like heading into Oregon yeah. like I know they're 
I virtually know their entire schedule, and I could care less about Colorado football. You know, two months ago. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the point, right? Like right. you're 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 watching this team that you didn't. You thought, all right, well, this is gonna this is gonna be a rough year, and then maybe in year two, Dion can get something going. He's done it right away, mm-hmm. and he's doing it with with prime prime. <laughs> Pardon the pun. The prime time athletes, oh, you know, like he's well done. The other thing he did too was in, in using the transfer portal that way. All these coaches, even Matt Rule, who color, you know, he just spanked Colorado, just spanked Matt Rule's Nebraska team. Matt Rule threw a shot at Dion in the off season when he said, you know, I know coaches are excited about the trans. Some coaches are really excited about the transfer portal. I'm excited with working with the guys we have here. Okay, well, your Nebraska team stinks mm. again. Good luck with that. And Dion flipped the, the entire Colorado roster because it wasn't good enough. And he's doing it near one. Now we'll see. We'll see what the ceiling is. We know what the floor is. The floor is relevancy. They're relevant now. We'll see what the ceiling is when it's all said and done. All right, one more. Outside of number one Georgia, the SEC is vulnerable this season when it comes to the college football playoff. Basically, is the conference down a little bit this year? I think it is for one specific reason. But what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I do. Is it that down? It's still the SEC, but I mean, like, for, for, like let's keep it in the context of college football. Yeah. SEC dominates. Yeah, that's the that's the conference. From that perspective, is it down a little bit this year compared to what we've had in the last several seasons? I would say so. I'd say other seasons it was clear dominance. This what this year now? There's a lot of these other conferences are making noise. You know, you, you look at the Pac-12. I know it's it's dismantling itself left and right, but you still have USC, you got Colorado, now you got Oregon, you got some Utah, UCLA. It seems like there's more relevant teams in some of these other conferences than mm-hmm. there is in the SEC, at least to this point of the season. So I would say that's yeah. right. I agree. I agree with that point. Here's here's why. What the specific reason is? I think that the SEC is down this year. Caleb Williams plays for who? USC. Michael Penix Jr. plays for who? Washington. Jordan Travis plays for who? Florida State. Quinn Ewers, Texas. J.J. McCarthy, Michigan. Bo Nix, Oregon. Shadir Sanders, Colorado. Sam Hartman. Anthony, none of those teams are in the SEC. Bingo. The quarterback play in the SEC is down this year, which makes them vulnerable, in my opinion. George is a powerhouse. Alabama is still Alabama, despite losing to Texas. But all the quarterbacks are elsewhere right now. Yeah. Not in the SEC. All right. What's trending is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's going on in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered with what's trending now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a Lion's Choice Sandwich Coupon. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Adam Wainwright picked up win number 199 last night in Baltimore. He should have about three more starts, if my math is correct, to get to 200 wins. But in Adam Wainwright's final home weekend at Bush Stadium, it will include a live concert featuring Adam Wainwright. Uh, the Cardinals announced a post game on September 30th, a performance of new songs by Adam Wainwright. Uh, 
he will be not only singing the national anthem this season, but will finish the season off playing a mini concert. Hmm. That'll be fun, Jamie. Yeah. You said new songs? Originals. Ah. That means it's uh, something nobody's ever heard, Anthony. Hmm. Did he have previous songs that he released? I think I new, know. like, yeah, he's coming out with a new album. It's like an EP of sorts. Yeah. Did he have a previous EP? I don't no think songs? so. Okay. No, I mean, a new song is a new song, whether or not you have released other ones, correct? Uh, new is new. Yeah. Yeah, true. I'm, for one, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be great. I mean, your excitement is radiating through the studio yeah, right now. I'm fired. I don't know how else I can say it. I'm fired up for this mini concert. Yeah. I don't understand it. What do you mean, Jamie? I don't. I don't get Guy's it. Guy's talented. So yeah. after he gets done pitching, he's gonna sing some songs. I, d- I don't get it. I don't get it. Like Ryan O'Reilly plays the guitar and writes children's songs and does all this stuff. I would say the same thing to Ryan O'Reilly if he said, "Oh, after my last game ever at wherever it is was Nashville or whatever." I'm going to hold a concert at Center Ice and play guitar for people, singing some of my original songs. I would say, why? Like, why? If, if you're a musician and you want to play music, and this is a passion of yours, which apparently it is for Wayno, great. Why don't you do something that's going to make some difference? Like, go to the pageant or one of these places, sell tickets, give a portion of Big League Impact, Adam Wainwright, playing tonight, three of his original songs. Come on by, but you also get to see other acts that, like, do it for a living. You know? He's a Cardinal legend. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah he, okay, he's a Cardinal Brian legend. Brian O'Reilly's not a Nashville Predator legend. He, he, Adam Wainwright is a Cardinal legend. He's not a music country music Hall of Fame legend. Not yet. He's been concentrating on baseball. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. I don't understand it. Good for Wayno that he can do that and that he's got the the chutzpah to go ahead and play in front of all these people, but I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't my my last memory of Adam Wainwright, I want him walking off the field, hat tilt tipped up to all the fans, hugging all his teammates, one last stance at the top of the dugout. And then ducks down and we're done. That's it. He will be doing that. Teary-eyed, everything. Not, hang on, I'll be right back. Let me get my guitar. He'll do that. Sing you some songs you don't know. Well, that's the point. Is it? Is it? My question is, whose idea was this? Oh, you know. Like, Did the Cardinals go to him and say, you know what would be great? If you serenaded all of us with three of your newest hits or was it Wayno that went to the Cardinals and said I would like to serenade everybody with three of my newest hits after the team just gets shellacked maybe it's like seven to two Cardinals <laughs> loss hey stick on. around folks there's more get your Wainwright guitar out you can play along with Adam because that's the next giveaway <laughs> you guys are terrible <laughs> <laughs> like come on Wayne Gretzky is going to come out there and play the harmonica for you next. Like, what are we doing? Hey, Stan the Man played harmonica. 
He did. He didn't hold a concert at the after the last game of his career. Well, they didn't have lights back then. Yeah, they Wait, didn't have lights back then. It could have been a day then. game, Marshy. The concerts don't hit the same in, in the daytime. Those are more like festivals. Yeah. yeah. You know? I think Wayne is doing it right. Some people don't agree with me on here, Anthony. Well, they shouldn't. Don't be a turd, Rivers. Yeah. But there's a lot of people, though, that are agreeing with me. <laughs> hey, that's the great thing about having an opinion. Oh, what a boomer opinion. Lighten up. Okay. <laughs> 314. The only text you've ever sent to this station. Couldn't you say that? Couldn't you say that about every opinion? Anybody. <laughs> what a boomer opinion. Oh, okay. Boomer okay. Rivers. Sorry. 314. Are you still? You just got out of high school? Is that is it? School just let out for you? I think Kansas State's going to win by seven. You would, Boomer. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Nice job, Boomer. Oh, okay. Okay, think, Boomer. So, hey, okay, 314, what what do you think of it? You can enlighten me with your second text ever to 101 ESPN. Uh, the 314 morning drive is going to have a field day with you tomorrow, Jamie. What are they going to do? They don't want to hear it either. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. I think they do. Uh-uh. Gary Davis, no way. No way. Gary Davis would know too. As a four, no. Hey, Gary Davis, your Ben Roethlisberger is gonna have. He's gonna have a concert oh, after. Oh boy. You know, like, come on. Uh, James Harrison. Ah. Yeah, he's gonna stick around, folks. Catch James Harrison on the bongos. <laughs> he's got three originals. He's coming at you with. All right, Boomer. Uh, another pitcher. This is from Jeff Passan. Troy Polamalu. <laughs> he, he's going to play the maracas. Got a band going here. Oh, my God. Oh, man. All right. Uh, right-handed. That'll be your last memory of Adam Wainwright, too. It'll be nice. Really? <laughs> Go ahead, Marty. Uh, Jeff Passan. I'm just picturing him at on opening day. <laughs> For sure. The national, national anthem. Surprise, surprised everybody. Yeah, nobody knew he was going to sing. All of a sudden, it's like, your national anthem, sung by Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright. Me? I mean, it was... It was nice. It was nice. It was, it was great. Good. It was awesome. Like, come on. It's a good moment. Sorry, Marsh, you were saying Jeff Passan? Yeah, Jeff Passan uh, tweeted out that uh, Max Scherzer is expected to miss the remainder of the regular season with a strained terrace major, a muscle that connects the scapula to the humerus. Um, Nothing humorous about this story, No, not at all. No, not at all. Terrace major. I, I said earlier that it's better than the minor. It kind of sounds like a like a dinosaur or like a musical note. Um, I don't know. It sounds like he's going to be out though for a little bit. It's Wayno's next single. Terrace major. <laughs> you guys are awful. <laughs> Anyways, brutal news for the Rangers. <laughs> It's bad. It's bad news. Unlikely to pitch in the playoffs. Uh, Should have went for the other Met, you know. <clears throat> Jose Quintana. Sure. Uh, Texas. They've won four four straight, but been a little rough for them. They were leading the AL West big time there, Jamie. Now 
they trail the Astros by a game. This isn't good news, guys. No. But they do have Jordan Montgomery still. We just got a text from FedEx Brian. When Mo's... <laughs> When Mo retires, is he going to come out and helicopter away? <laughs> Just waving out the helicopter. Maybe he'll have some songs too. And the helicopter will will be carrying a, a banner that says "You're welcome, St. Louis." <laughs> You're welcome for consistently being in the playoffs. You're welcome. Here's for all the banners. Mm-hmm. Oh, calm down, Boomer. All right, uh, let's Good play. Point. No comeback. Let's play, let's play uh, Beat the Streak and have our biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're good streaking! I want to hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And in his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. All right, time to play Beat the Streak ahead of tonight's Cardinals and Orioles game. We, unfortunately for our guy Jacob, needed a new Beat the Streak contestant, but Mitchell's happy to play, and uh, we're happy to have him. What's up, Mitchell? Not a whole lot. What's going on, guys? You ready to rock? Well, hopefully. We'll see. Okay. All right. I like the confidence thus far. Uh, Marsh, what's our latest streak? Anthony, you're up to five right now, yes. thanks to Adley Rutschman, Jamie, Thanks to Gunnar Henderson, you are now at two. I have a streak of four going on right now. Four uh, missed hits. Uh, and now we have Mitchell, who is taking over for Jacob. So the order today will be Anthony, Jamie, Mitchell, and then myself. All right, guys. I went with Gunnar Henderson two nights ago. I went with Adley Rauchman, who Marcius noted last night. And I'm going to switch it up again tonight. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle of the Baltimore Orioles as my selection for Beat the Streak. Jamie? Uh, I'm going to stick right... What, let's see here. Uh, wait, Gunnar Henderson's a left-handed bat, isn't he? Yes. Oh, he's, he's switch hitter. I remember him from... Uh, he's a lefty. Is he a lefty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still going to go with Gunnar Henderson. Drew Rahm on the bump. I'm going to go with Gunnar Henderson. Okay. Mitchell, you're up. Well, I wanted Mount Castle, but since he's gone, I will take Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes is off the board. Marsh to continue his streak of not getting a hit. Going for five tonight. Yeah, we talked earlier about me doing the Cardinals a favor. Um, I was actually going to pick a Cardinal, but now that I've been terrible lately, I'm not going to pick one. Okay. Mm. I'm going to go... With once again, actually, no. No one's picked Adley Rushman, so I'm going to go with him. I'm going to pick Adley Rushman to not get a hit today. All right. We got the uh, top of the Baltimore Orioles lineup pretty much covered here. I took Ryan Mountcastle. Jamie took Gunnar Henderson. Mitchell took Austin Hayes. And Marsh just took Adley Rushman. Mitchell, good luck. Hopefully we'll talk to you, what, on Friday? Because I don't think the Cardinals play tomorrow. So hopefully you win tonight. You guys too. All right. Sounds good. There you have it. All right, thank you. Beat the streak. Biggest question of the day. All right, guys, the biggest question of the day. Jamie, what is so funny? Uh, text line, I love all of you, even the people that don't like me right now. You got some good stuff coming through, Anthony. Hmm. Always. 
Yeah, I mean, let me clarify something. On these very airwaves last year, I said I would have Adam Wainwright's babies. You did. You t- you heard? I, I said it. You said I it remember in, that. You said it in a text, and then you doubled down yeah. and said it on air. I said it on air several yeah. times. So I I love Adam Wainwright. There are certain things in life we don't always understand, even from people that we love. I don't get it. If Wayne was here right now, I'd ask him why. Why like why not at another venue? Make it a big night. Like make it. Like, he wants to give back to Cardinals fans at Bush Stadium. Well, they they they're all able to buy tickets to wherever other venue. And do, I don't know. The lighting's better at Bush. Is it? I don't know. Anyways, we're done. Moving along. Anthony, you really, really like this player. And unfortunately for this player, um, things are not going his way right now. Jamie sent me a tweet on Twitter, or X, from Adam Schefter, who has a little screenshot of said person's Instagram. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but the bottom of it says, The night is darkest before the dawn. And I shall rise yet again. Mm-hmm. The dark night, Batman? The darkest. The night is darkest before the dawn. And I shall rise. And I shall yet rise again. Yet again. Just take a just take a wild guess. Straight up. At who said that? Antonio Brown. Absolutely not. Close. <laughs> That's a great guess. That's a great uh, guess. No, you love this player. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Aaron, dropping some serious messages out here. Well, you know. He, had, he, he hit an all-time high for emojis, too, in this, in did this Instagram, this gram or whatever. He did. He has is. a heart, a crying face, a hmm. broken heart, Ooh. another heart, huh. and what is the like the, the prayers got emoji? The, but, yeah. but people, hands. actually, I think they get those confused. I think those are two people clapping. They're giving each other high fives. I do believe mm. that. And then he has the infinity one, which means like he's forever going to live and haunt our dreams forever. Interesting. And then he's got the jet hashtag. I think he got it wrong. Yeah, he, did. <laughs> <laughs> he put the jet in the hashtag. Yeah, jet, then the hashtag. <laughs> what a boomer. <laughs> uh, but after reading that, that or listening to the, the quote at the end, um, does this <clears throat> change your mind about Aaron Rodgers? coming back does it stay the same i know we had that same question a few days ago uh, after he well actually it was yesterday yes, yeah yeah jamie and i both said that i don't think he goes out this way no, he's we, not. we don't think he goes out this way he wants the big he, first of all he wants one last season for sure where he can prove to everybody that he can still be mvp caliber player yeah he wants a full season in that new york city because he's liking that new york city lifestyle quite mm-hmm. a bit and I know for a fact that after his last game, he wants to have a concert right there at Jet Stadium. Oh, Jamie. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play a musical instrument. Sure he does, Anthony. He probably, he seems like a guitar guy, too. No, he's not. He's some weird instrument, like the didgeridoo. (laughs) (laughs) The keyboard. No. He wheels out the keyboard. He plays the keytar. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. He plays the... every 80s... Music yeah. video, the no. xylophone or something. Yeah, but seriously, can't yeah. you picture him like out in the middle of nowhere? He's out of his mind on ayahuasca. He's yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, totally. You're the absolutely right. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, honey, 
Those are the sweet sounds of love. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, honey, give me another shot of that ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing the toy saxophone like Jack Black. <laughs> Sitting there in his white tank top. Oh, no, no. He would have on... This I picture him. Aaron Rodgers is out there with like a white robe. Just like thin... Paper thin because it doesn't want to be too hot. White robe. Mm. He's got for sure. He's got like Birkenstocks on, mm. but he's got like a designer polo shirt underneath. Like mm. none of it makes any sense. You know he's what I mean? Just doing his thing. Just doing his thing. Mm. Man. He'll come back with the white robe. He's like Gandalf. Mm. He Look, might. It's a Lord of the Rings reference. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. I know He'll that might have went right over your head. Totally but. did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Gandalf. He'll be with Gandalf. When it's all said and done. Uh, Jets, not great situation. But I think he does. I think he does come back. I think he comes back next year. I think he trains, gets right. He's still got two years left, I think, with the Jets, too. So, I don't know if he plays both, but I think he comes back for next year. All right. Earlier in the show today, we talked about biggest concerns for 2024 in regards to like the Cardinals starting pitching. What's the thing that we're not concerned about with the pitching? What are some of the things we're concerned about from a position player standpoint? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. the show we said looking ahead to 2024 what is the thing that you're most concerned about regarding the pitching staff with cardinals and we all kind of landed in some way shape or form on the front office and what they're going to do with the pitching staff what looking ahead to 2024 is the thing that you're not overly concerned about regarding the pitching staff this one's a little more challenging is there anything that you're not really that concerned about when it comes to the pitching staff or the cardinals okay i'll take that as a no Hmm. How, okay. Is there not one like? No, is there not one nothing, concern? Not, I, or I'm no, sorry, one non-concern. There's nothing I'm not concerned about. <sighs> Anthony, let's break it down here. Right now, your your current rotation for next year is Michaelis and Mats. Warm and fuzzy. Listen no. to that. Okay. Keep going. No. Matthew Libertor. Dakota Hudson. That's I, part of your rotation. I got Drew one. Drew Rom. I got one. It couldn't be worse than it is right now. I yeah. mean, it could. It could be worse. <laughs> I mean, there are some teams that are worse than you right now, so it one? literally could be worse. Um, Oakland doesn't count. They're a AAA team. That's true. They're hanging in there pretty good, too, for a AAA team. JoJo Romero. <clears throat> Obviously, if he's healthy, but I think JoJo proved to a lot of people that he can be a everyday major league pitcher out of the bullpen. What his role is, whether it's the setup guy or the closer, doesn't matter. Geo kind of makes me nervous now. Ryan Helsley, he can't, yeah, I mean, health-wise, back-to-back, you know, that whole thing. Mm. Honestly, who, who doesn't worry you right now? Nobody. There's not one guy. Like, what pitcher has, every time they give him the ball, you're fine. 
If Steven Matz pitches like he did after he went to the bullpen, I'm cool with that. After he was injured, after he went to the bullpen, now he's injured again. Jamie, stop it. But I'm just saying, if he's pitching lights out like he was, well, of course I'm okay with that. Yeah. But you know, Miles Michaelis pitches the way he did like a year ago. If. That's the problem. If. Now you can use that for everybody, too. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's a no. Looking ahead to the 2024 season, what is the thing that has you most concerned about the position players? Too many outfielders. Too many guys that kind of bop all over the field. Brendan Donovan. You got Palacios now that's all over the place. Tommy Edmonds all over the place. You got a lot of guys that play. What are they? Right. And I know it's great to have... um, some flexibility in your roster, but I don't think you need four or five of those guys. No, I agree. I worry about the defense, too. Well, maybe that maybe one same, leads into the other, though. We've talked about this. I would. Uh, we'd love to see a static nine in terms of the lineup and a static eight when it comes to the position players defensively. Yeah, that'd be big. You know? It would be big. Mm-hmm. Some would say, ah, oh, we don't want that. but I think people would love it. We really do. I know I would, Jamie. And I know you would. And that's Always. all that matters. Yep. I'm not overly concerned, but I'm anxious to see what version of Paul Goldschmidt we get next year. Hmm. Is he, I mean, do you think he's regressed at all from last season? Obviously, he was an only, MVP yeah, last only year. Only from the so. standpoint that he won the MVP last year. So, I'm not, I don't think he's going to be bad by any means, but. You know what is he going to look like? He's getting older, so I'm 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 just wondering because I feel like we lean a lot on him and Arnado. Arnado's been good this season, but there was a lot of stretches where he was not good. So I'm wondering what that looks like. How much time they give them off? I feel like those two have been battling injuries as well this season. So I'm wondering what that looks like. What if Goldie has a rough year last year? Last year? Or, or I'm next sorry, next year. year. Excuse me, next next season. Um, Will you have regrets, Marsh? Why would I be... Would I have regrets? Yeah. About what? For not trading him? Yep. I knew you were ahead of this. You're always... I, I, I know where you're going. I'm just saying. So are you asking me or are you asking the front office? I'm asking you. I mean, I don't have that authority, so... You had it with the Angels. Wow, you make a really good point. You said the Angels need to keep Shohei Otani, yeah. and, they, and and within 24 hours, they said, we're not trading Shohei Otani. Yeah. So you're telling me that you don't have, I have the a authority... Pull. I have some pull. In, ...in MLB front offices? I, I don't think so, Marsh. What you say, what you say matters. Yeah. You said that I was crazy for suggesting... Yeah. The Cardinals should entertain trading Paul Goldschmidt ahead of his final year. Mm-hmm. Call I still me think insane. You're cra- well, you are, but I get where you're going, though. When the Cardinals uh, front office this- said, well, we got to listen to Marsh here. Yeah. So No, Gold- I don't think that's the thing. I don't think the Cardinals front office is listening to me. I think other front offices are. You know? We're just saying, if Goldie has a, has a down year next year, yeah. he looks his age. Yeah, you trade him. For, for what? You got nothing. Well, you He's can a get rental. something. Yeah, why would I pick? Why and he'd be that? a rental. Right, you'd have to wait for the deadline to maximize it. All I'm saying is, if Goldie looks his age next year, it's on you, Marsh. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, 
Look, I guess we'll, look we'll what you did to Otani. Hey, look what you did to Otani. Yeah, guy's ru- never been the same. <laughs> I ruined his contract. <laughs> certainly did. Ruined everything. Looking ahead to 2024, what is the thing that is not concerning about the positional players? I would say the lineup. Yeah. I don't love the mixing and matching and all that, but well, this lineup's good. Look, take yesterday's lineup. Newtbar, Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras, O'Neill, we'll leave him in there, Gorman, Walker, Win. That's a good lineup. Is it the best lineup in baseball? No, it yeah, isn't. No. That, that's in Atlanta. Okay. Yes. But that's a good lineup. That's a lineup that gets you into the postseason. Agreed. So that that's why I'm not too worried about the positional guys. That's a lineup if you actually had a big league, a big league pitching staff, a big league pitching staff that you could win with. That that lineup has looked real good at times, you know. Yeah, sometimes it's it's not always easy to see it, mm-hmm. um, but when you do, it's great. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't see it. You can't see it right can't now. Can't see it right now. Yeah, but, sometimes but I just have vision. a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. Marshy, overall though, I think when you look at it, or if you if you if we're looking if I, at yeah. it, yeah, if you're able to kind of outsiders' perspective, sure. you'll love it. You'll love it. Yeah. Well, great. I, I trust you guys. Yeah. Especially when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Hey, don't forget, you could join us 101 ESPN for Blues and Brews next Friday. Someone asked me if I was singing. <laughs> Now, why would you do Following that? Following the Blues and Brews, there'd be a small concert. Jamie, why would you sing? We've got country music stars, Chris Lane, and, uh, uh, star Chris Lane, and local blues musician Marquise Knox. Oh, yeah. They're, well, they're the real pros. Yeah. I'm just going to warm up the crowd a little bit for them, Anthony. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Jamie's the opener. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's opening for uh, Chris Lane and Marquise Knox. Yeah. He's fired up for the blues hey, give season. Give me a microphone. I'll do it. I know you would, buddy. Yeah. What song are you singing? Whatever I feel like at the time. Maybe an original. A Jamie Rivers original? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I like to write. Have you released songs? Oh, I've released plenty of songs. So you have uh, new songs then? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Well. Maybe a greatest hits coming up too. So you've got enough hits, you got to do a greatest hits album. Yeah. I mean, my mom says I'm excellent. Hmm. So therefore, those are hits. It makes sense. Certainly does. Anyways, get fired up for the blue season at this outdoor street party. You got blues players going to be there. Jordan Bennington, Colton Pareko, Braden Shen, Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, Kevin Hayes, Coach Craig Berube is going to be there. Blues alumni going to be there as well. Plus food trucks, 101 ESPN giveaways, and much more. Tickets for blues and brews are now on sale. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. Blues and brews is presented by Bud Light, 101 ESPN, and 92.3 WIL. When we return, what you missed, criticisms, compliments, next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can download the podcast at 101ESPN.com, your 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talk to our guy Jeremy Rutherford today, who was, uh, I think, at a pterodactyl aviary. What, what is that called? The uh, 
What's it? What's it with the birds? Bird cage? Well, it's a bird cage. It's called a sanctuary. A, no, yeah, it starts with an A. Aviate. Atrium. Atrium. Is no, it? No, no, it's not an atrium. No. I don't know what that is. What are you even talking about right now? Okay, Jamie. <laughs> like you've never been to an aviatory bird sanctuary. Yeah, bird sanctuary, aviatory. I mean, there's an A in there. Yeah, certainly is. It's another word. <laughs> yeah, there is. Thinking about you right now. I bet you are. Adam Wainwright won his 199th career game. We talked about Wayno's historic performance, but it's not going to be as historic as the one that he's going to give following Aviary. His... Thank you. Aviary. You did not know that word. Well, clearly I didn't, but I was circling the cup. I just need somebody to tap it in. Marsh just did. He looked at me like I was crazy. Sanctuary. Come on. Well, that, that's what it is when I punch in birds. It's a bird sanctuary. Anyways. We also talked about Adam Wainwright's concert that he's going to give to the uh, sweet fans at Bush Stadium following his final home start. Jamie, give his thoughts on that. Looking forward to it. What quarterback... Uh, can't go to the line of scrimmage and make his own calls. Yeah, Justin Fields talked about him and why he might continue to struggle. Jamie had some great thoughts on what is a, the modern day makeup of a Stanley Cup team and what the Vegas Golden Knights have had over the last couple of years, but last year specifically over most teams who played Prove Me Wrong and talked about uh, concerns or not concerns for the 2024 Cardinals. March, do we have any criticisms or compliments? Yeah, we certainly do. This one from FedEx Brian. Criticisms and compliments. First off, great show today from you three jokers. Thank you. But here is the Fastlane Band brought to you by the 101.1 ESPN featuring James Harrison on the bongos, Troy Palamalu on the maracas, Ryan O'Reilly on guitar, and your singers, Adam, Uncle Charlie Wainwright, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. There we go. If any of that is confusing, download the podcast. Yeah. It'll make sense to you then. Well done, FedEx Brian. Uh, for the 636, I would totally attend a Rivers concert if he did a duet with Brett Hall singing Love Lift Us Up Where We Belong. Yeah. I think that'd be big. Be huge. I'm, in, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Be huge. Certain parts I'm interested in. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's not the whole thing wouldn't be great, right. Anthony. No, but you'd take a you'd take a lot of. But the good things yeah. about that concert, boy, they'd be great. Yep. Mm. What else we got, Marshy? You'd really, I think you guys would really turn heads, for sure. I think they would too. Uh, yeah, from the six three six, speaking of the uh, the segment, what's trending? When we did bring up the uh, Adam Wainwright concert. The 636 says that segment was amazing. Well, thank you. I don't know if everybody feels the same <laughs> way about it. I don't know. Hey, but you I, know what? I, I was just looking at it from a standpoint of if it was me or teammate of mine. That's all. Okay. What's our motto? What's our what's our number one motto? No one's safe. What's our second motto? We bury the bodies. That's right. Okay. So you know, when you tune into this show, what you're going to hear. And you might not like it. Mm. You might be ticked off at Jamie today. You might be ticked off at me most days. But you know what you're going to get. And we're not going to disappoint you. We're not going to leave you hanging. So when we heard that Adam Wainwright's going to give a concert after that game, Jamie gave his, uh, his, his thoughts, his 
honest thoughts. Yep. We're not reporters. We're not reporters. Okay? <laughs> We're not breaking down uh, not any sort of inside information here. Jamie's giving his honest thoughts. His honest thoughts happen to be, what the hell is this guy thinking? I just don't get it. So we just talked about it. That's all. For the last half of the show. That's it. You know, I've moved on. Uh, from We're on the, to Cincinnati, Marsh. Here we are. Oh, there we go again. Another oh, week. Come oh, boy. On. <laughs> I didn't even do it in the voice. There's By the way, uh, we had a lot of people texting in saying that they preferred your Sean, Sean Khan voice over <laughs> Bill Belichick. And that they need more. Which of was it. Hank Hill? Yeah. <laughs> That's all that was. I still don't understand how that happened. But. Nobody does. Uh, earlier in the sports what the six hell, pack. <laughs> what in the hell, Urban? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you kick that guy, Urban? No, I gotta fire you, Urban. <laughs> Not because he kicked that guy, the other thing. <laughs> Urban, were you hanging out with a young lady named Cayman, Nebraska, in Ohio? Urban, what the what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Going to your own bar. Why don't you just fly home with the team, Urban? You silly fool. Now they got you stuck on the Fox Big Noon Game Days. <laughs> I mean, if you had... <laughs> I mean, if your hands were cold, they'd make gloves. <laughs> Put them in your pockets, Irvin. <laughs> uh, we had a question to the sports six-pack earlier about if we were to rename a St. Louis sports team, what would they be called? Uh, most of them were inappropriate. Uh, we got a few here, though. From the 618, the St. Louis Terrible Drivers. Okay. Well, that depends. Is it raining just a little bit? That's fair. Or snowing. Yeah, if it's raining, even I, like 12 raindrops, forget about it. You're screwed. I did not think you were going that route, and what? I was going to hold you off. <laughs> I was going to say, Jamie. Anthony. I was going to say, Jamie, <laughs> let's just stop right there. Then you took it in the weather direction, and I'm glad you did. Oh, yeah, what other direction is it? <laughs> Anthony? The St. Louis, where are we? <laughs> where are we? <laughs> what? Uh, where are we? <laughs> St. Louis. Oh, where are we on the street? I just got in an accident. Me too. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to call my insurance company, lady. We also have from the 618, the St. Louis Highway 60 Farty Far, uh, 60 Far Farties. All right. There yeah, go. that's good. A little long, but I like it. It is long. <sighs> These are good today. Uh, last one here from the 314. Someday Jamie is going to teach Anthony how to properly clear a puck, and then he's going to give him that gator's head as a present. <laughs> and the gator took my leg. <laughs> Damn gator. Popped up. Ugh. All right. That'll do it for us here in the fast line. We hope you enjoyed all the shenanigans today. We know we enjoyed you. You guys are the best. <laughs> they said St. Louis bad drivers with Anthony as the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> looks, fair. Looks like the guy from uh, Allstate. <laughs> <laughs> fair. All right. What's his name? Jake. No, that, oh, that's, that's State Farm. Oh, yeah. Allstate, yeah. Talking know. about the guy who. Yeah. Oh, Mayhem? The yeah, Mayhem, Mayhem guy? guy. That's yeah. That's you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's probably me. All right, Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, and Anthony Stoltz. you got an instant replay coming up now. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.